This is John McPhail, director of Anna and the Apocalypse, and you're listening to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Welcome to Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. This is episode 186. This episode of Horror Movie Podcast is brought to you by our Movie Podcast Network patrons and by Shudder, the Netflix for horror. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. On Horror Movie Podcast, you get in-depth horror movie reviews for classics and new releases with ratings and recommendations to help you decide whether you should buy, rent, or avoid these movies. For this episode, it's all about the Zomcoms. That's zombie comedies, and just in case you didn't know. And we'll have feature reviews coming up for 2019 releases, including Zombieland Double Tap, The Dead Don't Die, Little Monsters, our mini-review of Anna and the Apocalypse. And for our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment, we're going to review One Cut of the Dead. I am the Gill Man, Joel Robertson, and my creepy consortium of cohorts are... Hey, it's Dr. Sharkbacker from just outside Philadelphia, PA. And Wolfman Josh. You realize you're only doing this because you're dead inside. Probably true. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> so speaking of, of doing it, gentlemen. One thing I wanted to do, we got a lot of interaction with our listeners during October, which was awesome. Uh, there were a lot of people who were confused about how to get in touch with us how to email us, how to find old episodes. And so I kind of want to just put this up front at the start of the episode because I know a lot of people don't listen all the way through the kind of closing credits of the show. Um, if you go to horrormoviepodcast.com on a web browser, you go to the sidebar on the right, it has all of our past episodes in kind of thumbnail form. You can go through our franchise reviews, our different themed episodes, our versus episodes, our holiday episodes. The majority of those are right there on the sidebar. If you want the full archive along the top, you'll find that on the web version. Now, on your phone, it's going to be a little bit different. That's not going to be on the sidebar. It's going to be the bottom. So you have to scroll down about 10 posts or so. But then you'll find all of those thumbnails for the themed episodes of Franchise Reviews at the bottom of the page. So that's an easy way to find those past episodes. To contact us, if you want to go to horrormoviepodcast.com, click on the episode you want contact information for if it's for a guest or for one of us in those show notes, there's every way to contact all of us possible and you'll be able to find our email and Twitter and our social media and all of our links. It's always there in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. So sorry for that bit of business, but we got a lot of different questions about that over the course of the month of October. And I just want to make sure everyone knew that. Also, I want to make sure people know our, email address has changed it's horror movie cast 
at gmail.com, not podcast. And if you send it to podcast, we are not getting those emails anymore. There, I know for a fact, several people sent emails to us at that email address this last month that did not get forwarded to us. So um, if you want them to get to us, that has to be horror movie cast at gmail.com. Okay. And one thing I wanted to add real quick is I had the distinct pleasure of going to spooky empire in Tampa, Florida this past weekend uh, as we record this. And uh, it's been very early November and I had the even greater honor of meeting John. John's a listener of the show, and you may know John from Movies, Films, and Flicks, uh, the podcast. He also writes John's Horror Corner. He writes that column for Movies, Films, and Flicks.com. And he was a great guy. He was a, he was a great sport. He met us there, uh, me and a few of my friends that went along with me. Uh, and of course, they were great sports as well. But he he, he went with us, and we ended up having to uh, get a, a bite out to eat for lunch. And we thought it was Right across the street, turned out it was like six blocks away, but he was a trooper, had a wonderful time, and uh, got to meet some really cool people while we were there. And uh, bucket list checked off because I got my picture taken with and got to meet Bruce Campbell. So score one for me. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually had, ready for this, guys? I had Bruce Campbell. I walk up to the get the picture. He looks at me and I'm wearing my HMP shirt. And he goes, ah, horror movie podcast guy. Come on over here. And it was like in that wonderfully <laughs> snarky Bruce Campbell way. I was like, he just said the name of the show. Ah, he just, <laughs> ah, it, was, it was wonderful. I think the listeners are dying to know, did you get your Joe Bob Briggs book signed? Yes, I did. And I actually told him the story. Uh, and he, if, what I love, his first thing he said to me, I was like, yeah, and I, this is at the library. And he looks at it for a second, he kind of looks at me in that Joe Bob way. He goes, so you stole it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, no, sir. Uh, unfortunately, I have that whole conscience integrity thing going on. I said, I did contemplate, quote unquote, losing it and then paying for it. But I didn't. I ended up getting this off Amazon or eBay or whatever it was. And uh, I said, but it represents that book. And that's good enough. And he he signed it and it was super sweet and Darcy was awesome. And it was just, it was such a cool, cool experience. So yeah, it was a fantastic time and it was awesome. Like I said, to, to get to hang out with John and uh, do all that. So, all right. So we're going to go jump into the themed uh, discussion for this episode. And just so everyone knows, we have discussed zombies in the past. We are going to discuss zombies in the future. The focus of this is zomcoms, as you have dubbed them. Wolfman, which I personally love. Yeah, I don't know that I came up with that, but uh, I'm certainly running with it. I'm giving you total credit for it. It's you. <laughs> of the three of us, you said it first. Yes. Whoever said it first before that doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. In our little world, you're the you're the creator. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yes. Perfect. So those are zombie comedies. And I think the key question that has to be asked is why zombie comedies? Why is that particular subgenre of a subgenre so popular especially when compared to all the other subgenres of horror because when you think about it yeah we got slasher comedies we have vampire comedies we have some but it's a much much smaller list i think than what you have when it comes to zombie comedies yeah in fact i think a lot of the zombie films that come out are comedies which is just really interesting especially 
you know, that was happening a lot, like in the early two thousands, as zombie films really started to take off, it seemed like every single zombie movie that came out was a zombie comedy. And it died down for a few years, but they're all back. You know, mm-hmm. it's all <laughs> this is the mm-hmm. year of the zombie comedy again. So I right. think that's interesting as well. And I, I do have a, a sort of a thought on that. I think when you when you look at all of the other sort of subgenres, whether you know we're we're talking slashers and vampires, other monsters, nature with zombies, there's a real tragedy about it. You're getting attacked by a vampire. You're getting attacked by a crocodile. There's a disconnect there. But with zombie movies, you're getting attacked by family members. You're getting attacked by neighbors. I mean, these are people you've basically known a large portion of your life, if not your whole life. And they're not the same person. And yet they're still moving around. There's you, you still have that emotional connection to them and you have to be the one to put them down, you know they're not the person they once were, and yet there they are moving around. There's, there's a real tragedy there, and even some of the comedies touch on that tragedy. I know Shaun of the Dead had a very poignant scene toward the end along these lines, and I think that when you get that level of tragedy, it can go to the opposite end of the spectrum and work as comedy too. You know, there, right. there's you those like the two ends. It. Exactly. It's it's the two the two extremes. So that's why I think the zombies lend themselves to comedy even more like what you know what we were saying a little bit about slashers and and the vampires and things like that. It's that inherent tragedy in it. Yeah, I would agree with that and I have a slightly more uh, lowbrow and superficial theory, Dave. Yours is actually uh-huh. far more uh, thoughtful. I I the thought just occurred to me that zombies inherently just did well and of course call them ghouls zombies the undead whatever this is a whole debate for another day but they're inherently dumb and easily susceptible to doing really foolish crap i feel like if you have a slasher or you have a vampire or even a werewolf all of those scenarios when they're played for quote-unquote laughs I guess it could be at the villain's expense, but it definitely seems that in zombie comedies, when I think through most of them, most of the comedy part comes out of that splat stick idea and how the zombies themselves, it's just, it's such a ludicrous concept. I mean, I know there's plenty of people that I'm sure has spent many, uh, a good hour of their life thinking through what they will do when the zombie apocalypse actually happens. But since I tend to lean on the side of it probably won't, (laughs) And there's a much mm-hmm. better chance that, you know, a slasher would come into your life, let's just say, uh, that right. that zombies on their face, it's such a ridiculous idea, right? It's so, it's just the whole thing has this air of ridiculousness about it. Now, if it's played straight, it's serious, you're right. It's tragic, it's terrifying, it's everything. But it's also something where you can make them do really stupid crap and and just look as absurd as possible. I mean, I feel like when I watch Zombielanders, I'm Elaine 2, or really any of the movies that we're going to cover here, a lot of it comes down to the absurdity of the situation and how the people are reacting to it combined with that splat stick element of all the really gnarly ways that you can kill zombies and sort of make light of it. That's definitely a big part of it because you're right. When you think of a lot of the the funny scene, I'm thinking Shaun of the Dead when they're walking out of the pub and the guy's like, you know, and <laughs> you, you definitely get you get that you, you get that, that, that they are slow, they are stupid, and you're right. That slapstick, uh, almost like a 
Keystone Cops, yes. Three Stooges type of yes. thing, you know? Yeah. And Absolutely. I, and I look, and I think this is where we get into that interesting discussion that so many people who really don't like their, their horror and comedy mushed together, that this is where it really gets interesting because I think you have some movies like Shaun of the Dead where the characters are playing it fairly straight in a, in a sense, right? I mean, yes, they're com- you know it's comedic and there's funny lines and and there is absurdity in their own lives. But as far as once the threat is a real threat, it feels to some degree like a real threat, and and on that level it works as well. But then you have other movies, and I'm sure we're going to momentarily here discuss several of them where. The characters, it's not that they necessarily know they're in a movie. It's not that level necessarily a parody, though some of them obviously do that as well. But right. it's like they're they're aware of the absurdity of the situation and everything seems so over the top that it, it like brain dead. There's a good example, aka Dead Alive. And I love that movie. But it's so just out there. I mean, it's Peter's early Peter Jackson, so of course it is, but it's it's just so over the top crazy, or like how Evil Dead 2 gets, where it's just complete and utter nonsense in at its core. Right. And I think some people mm-hmm. just honestly don't want that in their horror. Now, I'm somebody who I'm fine with that if that's what I know that I'm walking into. Um, I prefer if given my druthers. For horror and with with humor in it, and I I really like it when it's like a scream scenario where the characters there's a self awareness to them, but they're they're like it's a real threat. I mean, there's a a definite life and death situation that these characters are facing, and they aren't making light of that. That's not where the funny, if there is funny, comes from. It all comes down to I guess what your threshold is. Some people want zero, like no humor, no comedy. I just want everything to be as dark and nihilistic as possible. I don't tend to fall in that camp. I'll enjoy a movie that is like that if it's a really great movie. I like there being some humor, but I feel like with a lot of zombie comedies, I could also see, though, why people who might even be on the fence about it after a while, it could cease to be as, quote unquote, funny. Yeah, they get pretty campy. You know, yes, that's a good way to put it, too. Yeah, campy, especially in those early 2000s. We got some really campy zombie comedies. The other thing, and this will come up several times as we go through our list of movies. The drives me crazy is I think zombies were one of those, like the slasher was in the eighties. It's one of those movies that people thought for a time and found footage. I guess this is a trend in horror. Someone does it. Well, everyone else comes along and says, that looks easy. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But they don't actually understand what makes it good. Yes, right. And yes. so there, there were a lot of really bad zombie comedies in the early two thousands, trying to ride the wave of Dawn of the dead and Shaun of the dead. And 28 days later that all came out around the same year as well as the walking dead graphic novel. And they were just trying to kind of cash in on, they didn't understand zombie rules. They didn't understand the legacy of, of the zombie or the ghoul. They didn't understand the difference between that and an infected narrative. And so that's where you get all these complications in terms of just a lot of really bad zombie movies, you know, and then that, that affects viewers opinion of the subgenre. And, and it's kind of like this, terrible cycle that happens a lot with horror films you know but just like with the slasher and with the found footage film i think eventually the people who are still doing them are people who just love it as a storytelling device and so i think now we're starting to see some really strong zombie comedies again which is uh refreshing the question is how long will that last yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if we have a couple big hits again, then it'll the whole cycle will start over again, right? I, I really like both of your theories. Um, I like the Keystone Cops kind of uh, 
splatastic version that Joel pitched, and I like the tragic side that, that Dave was talking about. I'm going to propose a third idea that's kind of somewhere in the middle of those two. You know, I've talked about this a lot on previous episodes, but my major contention uh, that I've always argued for when covering zombie films is that the zombies are the least interesting part of the zombie film. It's really about the people. It's about the stories of these human beings and how do human beings interact with one another, especially when there's no infrastructure, there's no society, there's no government, there aren't any of the expectations of polite coexistence. And so wh- how are we going to treat each other as human beings when the sh- it's the fan? That to me is the at the core of what I love about zombie movies. And so, so if the films are about the people and the monsters are kind of secondary and, you know, and I think zombies more than anything else represent that slow march of death. that's coming for all of us. That is like Dave said, that's something you just kind of have to laugh at because there's nothing you can do about it. It's coming no matter what. And so I kind of straddling those kind of two ideas, I think, um, the absurdity of us trying to live our daily lives while death is coming for us lends itself to kind of comedic situations. And then you can still focus on the characters. And, and even with the z- good zombie comedies, it's really about the characters. You know, it's really about Sean and his girlfriend and his best friend and, and his, and his, relationship with his mom and his stepdad and how are, are they going, how is he going to become a man? You know, if zombie movies are about, the, the evolution of society, that film and Zomcom, you know, it, it is related to a romantic comedy in that sense. It's kind of about the devolution of a relationship in this, and this guy's life. He's a, he's a man child. He's never grown up. And the consequences of that are catch, starting to catch up to him all of a sudden. And so now he has to reconcile this relationship with his stepfather. Now he has to let his mom know how much he loves her. Now he's got to, figure out how to have a healthy relationship with his best friend and figure out how to be a good partner in a relationship. And that's what the movie's about. And then there's just the zombies are around it. They're a real threat. But um, I think that's why a film like that works. well. And you're absolutely right. It is about the people. The zombies are always just in the background or what they've got to avoid or what's making, you know, for a really bad day. One of the things I really liked about Shaun of the Dead, and I might've said this before is that, in all of the zombie movies and the George Romero films and a lot of the really strong zombie movies, there are scenes where characters are sitting around watching the news and getting, you know, here's what's happening and, and uh, go here and, and uh, here's an update on the situation. One of the things I loved about Shaun of the Dead is it takes into account people who don't watch the news <laughs> and have no idea what's going on in the world around them. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and when they finally do watch the news, it's far too late and they've already sort of pieced it together themselves um, by pure chance. I'm thinking of that, that scene where he's walking down to the corner store to get a drink, not realizing that the world has basically ended all around him. Uh, And I like that about it as well, but you're absolutely right. I mean, when you think of the great scenes in Shaun of the Dead, yeah, there are some funny scenes involving the zombies, but there's a lot more involving Shaun and Ed and Sean and his girlfriend and Sean and his father-in-law. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And that ties into not just zombie comedies. And I know we're not going to delve deep into the zombie movies in general for the obvious reasons, because we don't want the show to be eight hours long, but you look at Ramiro's stuff and even in traditional scary zombie movies that the people 
were the point and how they turn on each other and those relationships and the dynamics. Although I think it is important to note that you could really make an argument that Dawn of the Dead, as bleak as it can be and as classic a horror movie as it is, I you can make the argument it's a dark comedy. I mean, he's called it a satire, so it's definitely a it's got a humorous element. Some of the things he has his undead doing are pretty ludicrous. And I and obviously Mm -hmm. the whole thing is meant to be this, you know, tongue in cheek examination of mass consumption culture in the West. So, yeah, well, I think Land of the Dead definitely gets into that. And that too, for sure. For sure. I remember Hopper's character being pretty outlandish. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, it was it definitely has that undercurrent to it it's that i feel like night of the living dead is humorless you know and that's one of the things i love about it that's what i love about it i mean that you know to somewhat contradict my earlier point i tend to like some humor in my horror but i when it's done right man when it's done right it's it's substantial and obviously that is humorless but i feel like although even day of the dead it's pretty bleak and dark in a lot of ways but it, it, it borders on camp with with some of the performances and some of the things that happen in it uh whether that was intentional or not but that you know it's there right and you even get a pie fight in Dawn of the Dead. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that was clearly just to get a few laughs. So I guess we would like to go through some various zombie comedy, some zomcom uh, titles. As we go through these, if we've mentioned uh, them in previous shows, we will we'll call that out. Um, obviously, as we go through, there might be some that we miss. The disclaimer is that we do our best to cover as many of these things as we can. But while the three of us might have a collectively uh, Im- impressive base of, of knowledge, we're not walking IMDb's. So, so we, we do our best. We apologize if we miss a movie you love. That is what the show note comment section is for, by the way, folks. Please leave comments there. If we miss something, let us know and say, hey, guys, make sure you talk about blah, blah, blah. We'd love to. And I mean this sincerely. That is why we depend on you, the listeners, that you come into the comment section and leave your list. We, I love reading them. I mean, we try to comment Me on too. as many of them as we can and know, know that we read, but through the three of us, we read every comment that comes through there. You know, it's not just Absolutely. about us providing the, you know, the, our, our thoughts and uh, feelings about these movies. It's you as well. It's a, it's a definite community effort, I guess is the best way of putting it. So the point being is that we're going to go through all these titles and we're also planning in the future to have, you know, some George Romero, film theme episodes and some other things. So as we said, we're not going to go into anything outside of the Zomcom arena. So let's make sure we're all clear on that. These are intentionally all movies that are either Zomcoms or in my opinion, some are probably more Zomcom adjacent, <laughs> but they definitely have that aspect to them. So to kick it off, we have, it is alphabetical order. I'm not going to say the years. I'm just going to say the title. So right off the bat, we have, ah, Zombies. Never heard of it. I've heard good things about it. I've never seen it. Okay. I've never even heard of it. The set images don't look super high quality, I'll be honest, but a few people have it on their Zomcom lists. Okay. So. All right. And we have American Zombie. American Zombie is like a mockumentary, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um, I think I saw this at Slamdance, but this was a movie that I remember at the time of coming out thinking, oh, this is really clever. And as I think back about it, I think I would never want to watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Know? Okay. It just isn't. Yeah. It's like it's so on the nose of of what it's trying to get across. I feel like mm. it's something you would hate, Joel, because you hate uh, that kind of thing. Okay. All right. 
Well, thank you for the heads up on that. Uh, and in the apocalypse, which I guess we're not going to go into right now because we actually will have a mini review a little later in the show. Army of Darkness uh, was featured in episode 184, top 10 horror movies of the 1990s. I won't say who had it uh, potentially on their list, but I will say that host is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> well what is the zombie connection to that one joel like, i feel uh, okay this is one of those adjacent things <laughs> i feel like this yeah. is a zombie adjacent i think More that possession right that's well, what i always look yeah, at yeah, it, it, as. it is and they're and the deadites and i mean right. okay you do have a skeleton army and while they don't have flesh hanging off of them technically they're the undead now sure, they're not sure. you know they're not acting zombie-ish they seem to have their own agency and they're able to sword fight but you know I, look, any excuse to have Ash uh, kicking Deadite butt and and saying things like "This is my boomstick" and that's what we call pillow talk, right, baby. Right. I and I don't know what to tell you, folks. <laughs> Basically, it was just an excuse for me to mention Army of Darkness. So the next up okay. is the Battery, which was in episode seven, a Frankensteinian episode. Yeah, I love the Battery. Have you guys seen the Battery? I have not. I am familiar with it. And I've seen the trailer. I have not seen the movie. It's a really low key indie film. It feels like like a Sundance mumblecore type movie you would watch. But it's again, it's about these two guys, but they're surviving in the zombie apocalypse. And it's just two guys walking around, you know, a rural Georgia or something like that, and getting into kind of lightly funny predicaments. And it's just very enjoyable. I just I liked it a lot. There is one scene that it's famous for. Which it should be because it's it's very clever. But when I describe it to you, you're gonna think it's a different type of movie than it is. There's a guy he's sleeping in the back of his station wagon, and he wakes up. And in this case, there's an attractive young lady zombie coming toward him, trying to get into the car. And you know, it, it's very reminiscent. If you guys ever saw the Naked Ape music video of the zombie girls washing the car. It's similar to that where you've got these very disgusting, degenerated bodies of what would otherwise be very buxom women washing the car. It's like an Ashley Simpson video if they're all, you know, rotting. Oh, so, okay. Um, in in this case, there's a guy. He's in the car, and the young woman is is uh, pressing her body up against the car, trying to you know eat him, and uh, he uses this as an opportunity to get out some of the stress of oh, uh, living in the okay. post-apocalyptic world that he's living in. <laughs> wow! And so it's not that type of movie generally, um, but that's that's kind of the scene it's it's best known for. Gotcha. Mostly, it's just a really interesting, low-key kind of mumblecore film, which I I enjoyed. All right, next up is BioZombie. BioZombie is from 1998. It's it's a Hong Kong movie, and it has that same sort of fast, frantic, high-energy pace you got from a, from a lot of uh, these Hong Kong-produced films. I always kind of think of Wong Kar Wai whenever I see BioZombie. Like if Wong Kar Wai were to make a zombie film, it would have this uh, zombie comedy. It would have this, this pacing to it. Uh, it. It's set in a shopping mall. And the main characters um, own the various stores, and they're all basically crooks and con artists. A lot of the humor early on is them doing whatever they can to, to get a quick buck. So again, this is sort of character-driven. They, they have a change of attitude, and then they sort of change their ways as the movie goes, and some of them don't. Some of them even go further, uh, you know, further south um as a result of what's going on and it's kind of interesting to see which characters do what 
it's an entertaining movie, but I will say the last third of it, the comedy really starts to dwindle away and it becomes much more serious, almost to the point that, you know, by the last 15 minutes, it's almost it's a straight up horror zombie film. Uh, but it's one I, w- I would definitely recommend. And again, it's Bio Zombie from 1998. All right. And we've got Black Sheep. And I do believe that is not starring Chris Farley. No, <laughs> no, it's not. That's a New Zealand film. And I know I reviewed it on the blog years ago. It's a lot of fun. Okay. I remember really liking that movie. Okay. Yeah, that it was, was one fun. that I, you see the trailer and you're like, oh, that's going to be dumb. And it's actually was pleasantly right surprisingly funny much more entertaining yeah all right and then we have a movie that could be in a different genre altogether it's called boy eats girl it's from uh 2005 i want to say it's an irish movie and what's interesting about this one is it puts the horror first and the comedy second i mean a lot of the ones we're talking about here in this episode you can actually say well they're comedies first and then they're horror movies This one's opposite. This one does put a focus on the horror. It's about this uh, group of school kids and, you know, their interactions with each other. But the way that the zombie apocalypse kicks off is really interesting. It's sort of fresh, too. It's not the way you would normally expect it to occur. The movie gets, as I said, there's more of a focus on the horror. And there is a lot of gore, especially at the end of the movie. I mean, it gets bloodier than it has you put all the scenes at the beginning together and the last 10 minutes i think are a lot bloodier than anything that you got at the beginning of the movie it's not the best one i watched a whole bunch of them preparing for this episode it's not the best that i watched but i did enjoy it enough to, to definitely recommend a rental again it's a it's sort of a an indie movie from ireland and uh, i think it's worth saying kind of in the vein of american zombie for me that was one i remember uh, you know, in the video store back in that era and thinking, oh, this is better than I expected. But yeah, now I don't, it's not one I don't think I would necessarily search out. Right. All right. And then Brain Dead, aka Dead Alive, which I believe was in episode 87 of HMP, the Comedy of Terrors episode. Yep. I feel like that movie kind of goes without saying. Most, I feel like the vast majority of folks listening have probably seen that movie or at least very aware of it. And we have Bearing right. the X, which I believe is a Joe Dante directed film yeah and again i'll be talking about this a little bit more later in the show but this is a good example of kind of anyone thinking they can do zombies and i would put my money on joe dante to be able to do zombies especially zombie comedy i think his particular sense of humor is well suited for uh, kind of a slightly twisted and macabre funny movie but for some reason this one just did not work for me it fell flat which is additionally disappointing because it was one of anton yelchin's final films and he was one of my favorite actors who unfortunately died very tragically uh, in an accident and um so this was a big disappointment for me i do want to revisit it now that my expectations aren't so high um you know kind of going in knowing uh it was a bit of a disappointment but um man i was was really crestfallen the first time I watched this movie. And I just saw it recently, uh, Josh, and I I did feel sort of the same way about it as you did. Uh, I thought that they really rushed getting the zombie back into the picture. This person's back. That's great. But why? And, and, you know, I don't know. It, It felt like they were rushing through that point to get to what happens afterwards. And that's fine if what happens afterwards is really funny and interesting. And I didn't find it was all that funny and interesting from 
from that point on. And I found out it was Joe Dante as I was watching it. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I had, I guess I had sort of the same expectations when I saw that. And I was a little disappointed as well. It didn't work. All right. So we got next up Cabin in the Woods, which was also in episode 87, The Comedy of Terrors. Yeah. That is a movie that is roundly loved by people and, and, and took on a bit of a cult status. I haven't heard anybody talking about it as of late. Right. When it first came out, there was a delay on it, as I recall. This movie had a really difficult release. It was one of those films that was held up for years, like Trick or Treat. It was such a surprise to everyone that it became this huge hit. And then there was a huge backlash because of the, because it was a huge hit. And so it's it's definitely a movie that over the years has ebbed and flowed in terms of its mm-hmm. uh, appreciation by, by folks. But, you know, Joss Whedon, when he was at his hottest, is when this movie was finally released. And so I think there was a lot of support for this film and interest in this film yeah I'm, I'm curious to know how it's aged for people actually yeah i loved it when it came out i, I haven't seen it since so i actually would like to revisit it at some point and see if it still i loved it i loved it too I've, I've seen it once since and i loved it just as much for me it's a lot of fun i know some people had complained it was poking fun at horror as opposed to like an homage of all the different types of movies um and we're mentioning it here because there are a lot of different creatures in the film but the main story centers around uh, zombies Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it. I really did. I thought it was a lot of fun. Okay. So next up is a cadaver Christmas. That's one that's been on my Christmas list to cover, you know, during our Christmas episode for years. And I think I covered it a little bit last year, like maybe did a mini review. I don't even remember one of these years. I thought we should just dedicate to an entire Christmas zombie episode. And then the apocalypse came out last year. So I, I kind of attempted to do that. And I think I mini reviewed this installed, but, um, I was kind of half ass if I'm honest. And so (laughs) it's not a great movie, but I think it is a a fun zero budget movie. That's worth discussing uh, in that way. And it it definitely pairs nicely with some of the other Christmas themed Zomcoms, which again, there are a lot of. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So next up is cemetery man, which was in episode 184 of our top 10 horror movies of the nineties. And we discussed that quite a bit. Just a great movie from the 90s about a guy who works at a cemetery and he's been hired to ensure that the dead don't wander from the cemetery. This cemetery, they come back to life. And his job, uh, along with you know watching over the cemetery, is to put a bullet in the zombie's head as soon as it comes out of the grave and put it back in the grave. Uh, and it gets a little complicated when he falls in love with a recent widow. Uh, gets it distracted and the widow's husband comes back and it doesn't end well. Uh, it's just a, it's a, it's a really strong uh, Italian film. Rupert Everett is a star and it's, I don't know. I just love it. I, I think it's uh, it's a really interesting zombie movie. Very crazy. It's a crazy movie, but I love it. I agree. It's definitely one to check out. I got lucky, I guess, and just bought the DVD when it was still, in circulation now they're extremely expensive right i know i got lucky too yeah i'm not lucky because i'm gonna have to apparently get one of the expensive ones or through some other uh, untoward means because i want to see it i've always wanted to see it it's always been in my top list of movies that i never got to when i should (laughs) have and so (laughs) i'm going to hopefully i have some friends out there peter who can hook me up so we next up have cockneys versus zombies Yes, Cockneys versus Zombies. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. This felt like a cross to me between Shaun of the Dead and an early Guy Ritchie film. Uh, you know, Shaun of the Dead has that oh, London. Wow. Yeah, it has that that London setting. 
you have the humorous encounters with the zombies. But early Guy Ritchie, it's it's got a lot of profanity in it. Uh, and it co-stars Alan Ford, who played Bricktop in Snatch, which was probably one of my favorite characters in that movie with so many cool characters in Snatch. But Bricktop was probably one of my favorite. And it's really about two brothers that want to help their grandfather out and get him out of this old age home. And there's a lot of other older people to help there. There's These are the slow zombies, which is one cool thing about it. There's one very funny scene where a zombie is pursuing an old man using a walker. Uh, it's, it's really one of the funnier scenes in the movie. And there's an awesome scene set in a van that's just shot. It's such a really cool shot, the way that they do it, where a zombie gets into this van and the way that it's, it's handled and the way that they shoot it. It just looks awesome. It doesn't chintz on either the comedy or the zombie action. This would probably be in my top 10 Zomcoms list, uh, Cockneys versus Zombies. I really, really enjoyed this one. All right. Well, then next up, let's see if this one makes your list, Dave, is Cooties, which was in episode 76, which is a Frankensteinian episode. Yeah. Cooties, I, no, it wouldn't make my top 10, um, but it is, I don't know. I thought it was funny, fast paced. This is more of an outbreak uh, type of movie that affects only kids and they explain why it affects only kids at some point so these summer school teachers end up trapped uh, in the school and fighting for their lives as these kids are sort of descending upon them uh, I thought there were some really laugh out loud moments you have Elijah Wood is is technically the hero but he is so tied up in this book that he's writing uh, that he set up <laughs> early on as a ripoff of yeah. Christine uh, but just set in a boat. Um, and, and the way that he handles that, you think this is a normal guy, but then you say, no, he's about as twisted as the other characters in the movie. Um, the way that the kids look, they were freaky looking. They, they were definitely kind of scary looking. Um, and the, the opening where they set up this infection, that was gross. I mean, that was really, <laughs> really gross. Yeah. But it's just yeah. a wild movie, and I thought it had some genuine laughs in it. I was pretty disappointed by it. I, I just, I was, I, it was one of those films that I've been hyped about for so long. I remember seeing like the early release artwork for it that I thought was so cool. And I, I'm a big fan of Elijah Wood, what he's done for horror. If people don't know, we've talked about it in the past, but he has his own production company and they've produced a lot of really cool, smaller yeah. indie um, horror films. They've, I think they've mostly acquired them uh, rather than, uh, producing them in house, but it, he's just a, a guy that I've always liked. And I like that. He's such a huge horror fan as a mainstream actor. And so, and Lee one L's role in this is just, he was to me was the highlight was Lee one L, but I think I was, I was expecting a lot from rain Wilson and I was expecting a lot from Elijah wood. And I just, I thought, I thought it felt kind of flat. And also, again, it was one of those where the zombie rules kind of bugged me or the way they handle the zombies kind of bugged me. Yeah, I remember being surprised that that was your response in episode 76 when you talked about it, because back uh -huh. then I, I, I was a listener. <laughs> and so yeah. I remember uh, being perplexed because I actually liked it quite a bit. And I for whatever. Oh, I, wow. Yeah. And, and I, I remember thinking, huh, I totally would have guessed Josh would have liked this movie. But I remember at the time you are you articulated your reasons uh, well enough that I didn't, you know, send you any angry emails. But well, I was <laughs> mad at that movie for some reason. I would have to revisit my review because I haven't revisited the movie since. Yeah, that review. I think you may. But, I think you hit it, though. I think you had an expectation and it just, you know, sometimes when yeah. you go into a movie with an expectation and it doesn't come close to it, it's, you know, disappointing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but I, I remember I haven't seen it since it was uh, it first went VOD, but I, I liked it quite a bit like Dave. Next up, we have Dance of the Dead, uh, Dead Before Dawn 3D, 
Then we have the Dead Don't Die, which we will be covering a little bit later in the show uh, in a mm-hmm. mini review. We will be discussing the Jim Jarmusch film. Uh, Dead and Breakfast. That is a title that I am familiar with. Yeah. I And I don't know. It was an, a little, really, really low budget indie film, wasn't it? I've, I've yeah I've seen it. It's it's interesting. It's very low budget. Yes, absolutely. Uh, not that the effects are necessarily low budget. Um, and this group is in a Winnebago heading to a wedding. They get sidetracked in the small town and uh, end up at a bed and breakfast run by David Carradine. They end up stuck in the town. And while they're there, uh, this evil, this little box, there's a spell on it or there's a curse inside that when it comes out, this evil spirit is released. It inhabits one of the group. He ends up murdering several townsfolks who become zombies and are following him. And there's just a showdown between the main characters and, and this guy who's played by Oz Perkins, which I thought was oh, that's kind cool. of interesting, yeah, actually. I see that. Yeah. Um, but... I don't remember being blown away by this movie. I remember thinking, oh, it was okay, but not something that I would say you've got to rush out and see. And it is it is very low budget. I want to see this because not only does it have Oz Perkins in it and uh, David Carradine, it also has Jeremy Sisto and yes. an early yes. performance, because I don't know how much he was in prior to this. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Negan himself, is the sheriff in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, right. That's pretty cool. So I actually want to watch it. I remember the box. I think that's what it is. I never watched it, but I remember the video box. I seem to remember that the house. Right. It has like bed, bed crossed out with dead written in red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, all right. That's very cool. All right. Well, I'm adding that to my own personal list. Okay. So next up, uh, I love this movie. And this is, this is one of those that's going to make people either love me or hate me. And I'm sorry in advance. Dead heat from 1988 starring the one and only joe piscopo and treat williams <laughs> I, I do not know this movie oh, i can't oh, wait to hear about oh, it oh god you know yep. what we have to do some little side bonus thing where we could just review this movie just so i could get josh's reaction and and have him oh i just, thought i thought you were going to say a, a, a theme episode on joe piscopo oh yeah okay. well, did you do enough horror movies to do a themed episode i'm not sure although i guess some people no. would make the argument that maybe a lot of his career was horrific but i'm saying specifically <laughs> genre films uh yes this is the, right. the imdb synopsis josh and this is really all you need to know is it's about a cop and his undead partner must chase down the diabolical villain who killed him oh wow <laughs> and by the way diabolic said diabolical villain is played by the one and only vincent price Nice. Well, and Derek McAvin. Derek McAvin is also a villain in it. So you got Derek McAvin. You've got Vincent Price. Uh, The effects are just awesome. It is like 1980s practical effects goodness. It is cheesy. It is campy. Uh, I saw this when I was a kid, so I have no doubt in my freaking mind that if you need a textbook case of C&D, it is 100% this movie. But uh, I just love Dead Heat. I love it. We we covered it on Forgotten Flicks years ago, and I just love it. I, I if you like campy, goofy comedy with awesome practical effects and cameos by friggin' Vincent Price in them, starring Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams, this is the movie for you. I was just going to say I really like Joe Piscopo and Wise Guys. Okay. I don't mean to talk down about Joe Piscopo yeah, is all I, I was going to say, because I thought he was really funny in, in Wise Guys with Danny DeVito. And does an amazing Frank Sinatra impression. impression and he does do an yeah. awesome Frank Sinatra, no doubt. Yes. Absolutely. 
So next up from episode five, which was uh, our first Christmas episode that I guess it was again talked about in episode 87, the comedy of terrors. We have Dead Snow. And then I guess I'll mention the fact that Dead Snow 2, Red versus Dead, was in episode eight, which was our first Sundance coverage episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, we saw that live with some of the boys from Movie Podcast Weekly at Sundance. It was me, Jay, Carl, Andy, and William went to... Uh, Sundance together and saw Dead Snow too, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. That was the first time most of us met each other. Actually, it was at that screening, so awesome. it was a good time. Um, I love both. I love them both. I love both the Dead Snow and Dead Snow Two. I think they make a great double feature, and uh, mm-hmm. I I don't I like probably Dead Snow a little bit more, but uh, I got nothing bad to say about Dead Snow Two. It's it's just a fun movie. All right, next up we have Evil to Keiko. So this one came up. I th- Shani Dreadful has something to do with this. I don't know if she called in with a review of this film or if it was her one of her picks for at your mercy listener picks i think that was maybe one of hers at her local library i couldn't find it i was looking through our archive and i couldn't find a review of the film but i know it's come up before all right looks great okay cool (laughs) cool all right we next up have deadheads deadheads all right it's told from the point of view of the living dead the two main characters are zombies played by Michael McKitty and Ross Kidder. They play these two zombies. Like it, it starts off with Mike just appearing on the scene with all of these ravenous zombies, but Mike can talk and he's still sentient. He's, he's still intelligent. And there's just a really funny scene. He goes up to, to this door. He's knocking on it. Hey, let me in. And all of a sudden, you know, because inside they think it's it's this horde of zombies attacking. There's a shot through the door. So Mike's running saying, he's shooting at us. He's shooting at us. And then he runs into Brent, and Brent is the same way. He's sentient. He can he's he can talk, um, he can reason. So you've got these two undead characters. They end up going to a bar to get a few beers, uh, sort of covering themselves up so nobody can see what they really are. And Mike realizes that he's been a dead for three years, and B has an engagement ring in his pocket. He was going to in uh, propose to his girlfriend. At the time when he w- he died and he doesn't remember what happened. He doesn't remember anything. So Brent is more outgoing, a lot more energetic. He goes, hey, let's go. So it's basically a zombie road trip movie. <laughs> um, they team up with uh, a regular zombie, what you would think a quote unquote regular zombie, uh, who is the sort of shambling, not too intelligent ones. They call him Cheese, which is based on a certain smell he emits. And they uh, meet up with an older uh, guy in a pickup truck who doesn't mind that they're zombies and agrees to give them a ride. He's on his way to dump his wife's ashes into Lake Michigan, and Michigan is where Mike is headed. So it works out well. It's definitely more comedy than horror. I, As a matter of fact, this could fall under probably 90% comedy, 10% horror. It is a movie that has a lot of heart to it, and it is an interesting sort of take on the zombie uh subgenre so at, at that i would uh, recommend it and it has zombies so it counts per exactly. our requirements it has, for this it has zombies <laughs> okay it has that, zombies, that's all it counts. so it counts right and comedy <laughs> and comedy right so it, it fits into our theme discussion uh perfectly yes next up we have deathgasm it's episode 113 the heavy metal horror episode that is a really fun wild movie it is it more is. of like a possession demon movie as i remember it but there are also kind of zombie-like characters i could be getting it wrong i haven't seen it since that review but i 
I really enjoyed it. I think it's more like demons, but they're dispatched and and attack kind of similarly to what we expect to see from zombies. Right. I got you. I got you. All right. And then we have Doghouse. This is from 2009. Doghouse fits in for me. It's almost like it would be a great triple feature with Cockneys versus Zombies and Shaun of the Dead. It's it's set in England. It stars Danny Dyer. And it's about a group of guys who go off on a guys only weekend. Uh, I think one of their friends is getting married. So it's almost like a bachelor party. They end up in a town where the women have turned into zombies and are feasting on all of the men. Danny Dyer is, is one of those actors. He does a really good job in this movie. He's very funny. And he's been in a few movies where he's really impressed me. He was in Severance, uh, did a great job in that, and um, a more serious film called The Football Factory. I thought he was really good. But he's one of those actors that when you see him, you're like, why isn't this guy working, doing more? And maybe he is. I mean, he's a British actor. He's probably doing a whole bunch over in England, and I'm just not caught up with it. But he's one of those actors that every time I see him, I like the movies that he's in, and I like the job that he does in them. Um, it does have a share of drama. It has, you know, sort of the regular sort of zombies um, and, and main characters, uh, the, the drama you get with when they're encountering the zombies and what happens to them. There's, there's gore in it, and it has really good makeup and special effects as well. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I really enjoyed this movie, and this might also make a zombie top 10 for me. So. And again, Cockneys versus Zombies, Doghouse, and Shaun of the Dead, I think would make a great triple feature. All right. And then next up, we have Evil Dead 2, a movie that goes without saying. But again, more demonic in that one. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like zombie adjacent is fair. I mean, you do have possessed corpse that rises and then attacks, which I guess in a way is kind of what zombies do. Are, right. Unless it's explained through some sort of viral infection, typically zombie hordes, you know, you could argue is it is a form of possession of, of a corpse and it comes forth to eat you. As a mega fan of the Evil Dead franchise, would you consider any of those films zombie movies? No, I think it, you could say zombie adjacent, but I, I mean, there is elements of the undead that come back. But especially if you go to evil, the first Evil Dead, I would say that's not at all. I mean, you've got people right. that straight up get right. possessed, but at least in Evil Dead 2. Oh, I'm trying to think of how to do this without spoilers, but let's just say very early on a key character, which is only one of two characters that start off the movie is uh, summarily dispatched and then returns corpse like to attack. So not to necessarily devour, but to attack um, It says things like, hello, lover. So <laughs> the point is, uh, but they, they talk. So you I, I, yeah, I would I would say Army of Darkness is more zombie comedy than evil dead 2 is all right i mean they talk in return of the living dead movies too so i don't know if that's a they're talking a lot of zombie movies no that's no that's true no that's fair that's a fair point especially comedies does he talk in fido because that's next uh not that i recall and it's funny because i said cognitive versus zombies was like a cross between sean of the dead and early guy richie fido to me is a cross between a douglas cirque 50s film and george romero <laughs> wow it's set in suburbia and it's about these zombies. They're used as servants. Like the zombies have sort of been controlled. Yeah. And they're, they're servants in this 50s sort of suburbia. Everything looks great on the outside, but there are issues. There are underlying issues, both zombie related and otherwise. It's not just the zombies that are causing these issues uh, in, in this uh, suburban landscape. And you get that in the, in the main family we follow. I know that Carrie Ann Moss plays the mother. 
Uh, I can't remember the actor who plays the father, but Billy Connolly is awesome as the title character. He is the servant of this family, the zombie servant. And it starts off, there's a funny educational movie at the start of it, uh, sort of one of those 50s educational films that you imagine them showing in school titled The Bright New World, and it's about the zombies and how they fit into society. Uh, there's a really funny TV commercial. I just remember the girl saying, Grandpa fell down and he's getting back up. You know, sort of a takeoff of that uh, other commercial. But it also has a, a little bit more to say about like the family unit, which is something that Douglas Sirk always kind of got into. He he took this sort of idyllic image of where people it's like that's that was the the goal of people in the 50s was to to live in one of these houses with a beautiful lawn and a beautiful neighborhood and go to the country club and everything and he would say hey that's not really what's going on under the surface here douglas sirk in the 50s he did that and this movie does it to a point i mean it is a comedy and it is zombie centric but it also gets into that a little bit of hey look at this this is an artifice and um you know, it's it's just not real. I like that about it. But other than that, it is a funny movie. And I think Billy Connolly is is excellent. And he doesn't talk in the film, but he's absolutely excellent. And I believe that was in episode 32, uh, which is a Frankensteinian episode. Yeah. And I would just say for me, like, I think it is one of the smarter zombie comedies that are out there. But I think it is very light on any kind of horror. So if you're wanting horror, when you go to tears, zombie comedy, I would say this is much more kind of a scathing critique of suburbia and a satire than it is anything to do with um, a horror film, but I, it's a great zombie comedy and uh, definitely one that should be in the conversation. Yeah. And I concur with you. I, I, I agree that it's uh, with the horror. It's definitely light on, uh, on horror elements, but still worth saying. All right. And then one that was in episode 95, which is another Frankensteinian episode, was Freaks of Nature. This was a fun movie. I mean, this this one takes place in a world where vampires and zombies already exist and are coexisting yeah. with humans, uh, even right. within the same school. Um, and zombies are the outcasts. They live in, in a slum and then they're sort of kept away from everyone else there. People throw things at them and the vampires are the really cool ones. It's like the two extremes. The, the zombies are, are sort of crapped on and the, and the vampires, are the ones, all the girls want to date, you know, sort of that twilight vibe and the humans are somewhere in the middle. Well, what happens in this world is there's an alien invasion so you have these groups that don't like each other the vampires think the humans brought the aliens to get rid of them the humans think the vampires invited the aliens and nobody cares about the zombies but then you get these three characters who all went to the same school one who recently became a vampire one who recently became a zombie and a teenager stuck together trying and they've known each other for years they were friends in the past trying to deal with this alien invasion, figure it out and save their small town. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I've been saying fun a lot, but this is an incredibly fun movie. I thought anyway, I really had a, I, it was a blast. Yeah. I mean, if that sounds like a lot, know that the original title for that film was kitchen sink <laughs> because <laughs> yeah right and, and that really, that is true. And it really is kind of that kind of movie, but it's, if I had heard that description, minus Dave's enthusiasm for it, I would say, not for me. But it is a lot of fun. It's surprisingly good. Uh, it was one that I was really kind of shocked at how much I enjoyed myself. Yeah. 
and the star of the film i don't remember what his name is but he's also the kid who's kind of the star of kevin smith's red state and i i quite enjoyed his performance Ooh. i did i did not even realize that that's awesome but it is yeah it's very comedy and very arch very broad but but quality all right so next up we have go go gone I have not seen that one. It was on a couple lists and people were speaking highly of it, but I kind of wanted to check that one out. But. All right. And then I Sell the Dead. I've seen I Sell the Dead and I don't think it's strictly a zombie comedy because I know yeah. that there's a scene with a vampire, there's a scene with an alien, uh, but there's also a really good scene with a zombie in it. Um, again, it's I'm going to use fun probably a hundred times in this episode, but it was entertaining. I, I uh, Who's the actor? Oh, he's the actor from Lord of the Rings played one of the um one of the hobbits john astin no it wasn't sean astin it wasn't elijah it's, uh, wood it's charlie from lost yes charlie from lost yes. oh 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 god it's on the tip of my tongue i, Dang I it. can't remember he's the star of this movie and larry and, fessenden and larry fessenden is in it as well yeah and it's almost like a birkin hair these guys are grave robbers oh yeah i've seen the trailer for this yes yes they're yes. always robbing and ron perlman has a part in it as well they're always robbing the worst graves and that's what this is about they're robbing a grave with a vampire in it they're robbing a grave with a zombie in it all this crazy stuff happens um but it's entertaining dominic monahan dominic, <laughs> dominic there you go so we now see between josh and i who is the fastest googler <laughs> <laughs> yes he's a great actor um, yeah he's he's good i was disappointed by this film because i thought the cast was fantastic and had some interesting aesthetic choices but overall i was like that didn't quite work for me but i applaud it for its creativity all right and then we've got juan of the dead from episode 38 that was covered as a frankensteinian episode yes that is a great movie i really enjoyed it i just saw it for the first time a couple days ago i really enjoyed juan of the dead um and you know what? I mean, it's it's funny to say this about a zombie comedy where you say, wow, the humor was really dark. I think any humor in a zombie comedy is going to be dark. But one of the dead, it was especially dark. I mean, you know, it's these guys, it's set in Cuba and it's sort of a paradise, it looks like. And, and uh, there's an opening scene set on the water that I loved how they sort of launched into the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. um, but Juan and, and and his friend are, you know, when, when this zombie outbreak happens, they try to make money off of it. They hire themselves out to go out and say, hey, this is one of the dead. We'll take care of your problems. And they'll go out and take out your the, your zombie. If it's a family member and you can't do it yourself, they'll be happy to do it. But like I said, the, the humor is especially dark. There's, I'm only going to go to one scene in particular because it, it just really struck me. And it, I, I laughed really hard at it where they're cleaning up this small area and one um, sends his friend and his friend's adult son over because they see an old man in a wheelchair being attacked by zombies. He goes over, go help the old guy. And then Juan takes care of a couple other zombies. When he turns around, there's his friend and his friend's adult son. They've got the wheelchair, but they've got all these goods piled into it, like valuables and things that I guess that they wanted to take with them. And Juan's like, what happened to the old guy? And his friend says he died and we used his wheelchair to carry this stuff. And his friend's adult son says, but not necessarily in that order. And sure <laughs> enough, you look in the background and there's the, a bunch of zombies kneeling over the old guy and him screaming his head off because, because he's being eaten. That's kind of the level of humor that you get in this movie. But it works. Again, it's the characters and they do develop beyond that as the movie uh, 
goes on. And I love the setting too. I mean, this, this setting Cuba, yeah. it really is sort of like a paradise that they're dealing with this awful situation. Yeah, I think the the comedy's a bit arch. The the whole storytelling approach is a bit arch for my taste. There's some kind of crazy action in it, but overall I was very, very pleasantly surprised when I saw this movie. I was like, oh wow, I hadn't even really heard of it, I don't think, at the time I saw it. And I was like, wow, that was way better than I thought it was gonna be. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you guys covering this in episode 38, and I remember thinking at the time, yeah, I really want to watch that, and uh, I still haven't, so I need to. I will I will make that a priority. And from that same episode, we have Life After Beth, which was, I guess, part of the Sundance coverage and uh, amongst mm-hmm. Wolfman's honorable mentions. Yeah, I just saw this one recently for the first time. You know what? It, it, it has a comedy cast. It's Aubrey Plaza. It has uh, John C. Riley. It has uh, Paul Reiser in it. It has a cast of, of these comedy veterans, but I thought it was kind of interesting how they handled the heavy stuff just as well. And it gets really bonkers at the end. I mean, it gets crazy at the end, but it's about this family buries their daughter and the daughter's boyfriend is very depressed. And I can't remember the actor. Was, was he also in A Cure for Wellness? Is that the star of A Cure for Wellness, Josh? He looked familiar to me. I can't remember. Yeah, it is. He's the guy. Okay. And he plays a boyfriend and he's trying to come to terms with it. And then he finds out Beth is returned. She's back. And it's, it's Aubrey Plaza who plays Beth. And he kicks up his relationship again. But then Beth begins to change and she's different. And They start to, he notices other people he hasn't seen in years who just disappeared, all of a sudden reappearing and acting very strangely. And the movie kind of goes from there. And Aubrey Plaza especially, I think, did a great job uh, in this playing Beth. She's sort of a normal girl at first and then just is unhinged as it progresses this one, I thought the zombie uh, elements were stronger, and as towards the end, uh, it's still funny, but it does get more serious. There is a, it, the, the the horror elements are a little bit stronger as it progresses, and uh, yeah, I like this one. I like this one quite a bit. Uh, see, I I was really disappointed by this one. I really, yeah. I mean, it would still be my conversation for maybe like a zombie comedy top twenty or or something, but I. It's one where they change the rules around and zombie lore. That bugs me. I don't love the look of the effects when they're kind of changing. Um, I do like John C. Riley's approach to it. And mm-hmm. the lady from Saturday Night Live, whose name I'm blanking on, thought they're as parents. Molly Shannon. Were hilarious. Molly, yeah, Shannon. Molly, Shannon. Yeah. Molly Shannon. Yeah. They were great. Um, I, I don't know. I, I would revisit this one, but I remember feeling like it was a little flat. I bought the DVD, so I must have liked it enough. But And Dane uh, DeHaan, <laughs> is that who you were referring to earlier? Dave. Yeah. Yes. As a lead. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It, it, it's funny because in the in the show in the show notes, Josh, you put Sundance coverage and Wolfman's honorable mentions. So I sort of just assumed that you liked it. <laughs> I yeah. it, that, was in, it was in my honorable mentions for that for that year, my top ten list. You know, it was that was back when the we were having you know the first couple of years we did the podcast. It was just getting into what we're now calling the golden age of horror. So there were a couple of bright spots every year, but it was hard making our top ten list back then. Dave didn't even do a top ten list back then, and right. me and Jay always struggled like cobbling our list together. And then all of a sudden, we had the opposite problem. We couldn't fit all of our favorite picks into it. <laughs> right, right. It's like which ones do we eliminate? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, I probably gave it a favorable review at the time, but it was one that for me ultimately kind of fell a flat i don't know that um it's not what i'm super enthusiastic about i'll say it that way all right and and then we have a little bit zombie 
it was okay. Oh, and it has Stephen McCaddy in it. That's always a plus for me. I always like a movie that Stephen McCaddy because um, I thought he's he's a great actor, and it's actually because of one movie we're going to be talking about shortly on this list. But it, it was okay. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's not one I really want to say anything more about, to be honest with you. All right, and then we have Little Monsters, which was first covered. Uh, in the Sundance 2019 coverage from episode 167. And we will be having a feature review a little later on in the show for that one. And then we'll move right into my boyfriend's back. I remember this one. I think I even owned the poster for a time for some reason, probably because when I'd go to the video store and they would give all the posters away, I would grab anything remotely related to horror. So I would just grab it, but I, I, I have very little memory of it. Well, I, I double bought it. I have the DVD and the Blu-ray, so I can send you the DVD if you want. <laughs> okay, <it>. sure. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, th- this one, you know what? It's it's a very interesting film in a lot of ways, and it has to do, I think, with, with the cast and the people behind it. Um, it is more comedy than horror, definitely. It's about a, a, a guy. It's almost, again, sort of set in what seems to be the 50s. It's not. I think it's a more modern, uh, it's from 93, the film, Mm -hmm. but it has that sort of 50s vibe. The main character who becomes a zombie by defending this girl that he loves is narrating it. It has almost like, like it's showing uh, panels from a comic book as he's narrating it as if this is all, you know, being told in a comic book. And it has that sort of, sort of aimed at that level, sort of a comic book level, but it was Matthew Fox, from Lost. This was his first movie. Matthew McConaughey. Now, this is really interesting because Matthew McConaughey shot Dazed and Confused in mid-92. This movie was shot late 92. So technically, the first movie he made was Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused played at a film festival in June. This movie was released in September. Dazed and Confused was released in October. So I don't know what you would consider is Matthew McConaughey's first movie. I think probably Dazed and Confused because in this one, he plays man number two, just a guy sitting in a movie theater. He has a single line. It's an early part for Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's called Philip Hoffman in this one. And it's sort of an over the top role for him. It was directed by Bob Balaban, who was part of that whole Christopher Guest mockumentary group. And he did Parents, which I love. I love Parents. Right. And produced by Sean S. Cunningham wow. of Friday the 13th. Yeah, it's a good movie. It is. It's it's well-constructed. It's a good movie. But again, you're looking at comedy a lot more than horror. And with Sean S. Cunningham uh, attached to it, that sort of surprised me after seeing it. But I would recommend people check it out. And while the debate, Dave, might be whether McConaughey's first official movie was this or Days to Confuse, I think we can all agree that his first really important contribution to the genre would come just two years later in 1995. You're not going to say it. You're not going to say it, are you? Massacre, the next generation. Uh, I'm never going to bring McConaughey or Zellweger up on this damn show again. (laughs) I would say so far of all the movies we've talked about, except for, you know, in tie with Fido, this is maybe... The most is just a straight comedy and not really. Yeah, I, def- I definitely always mm-hmm. got the comedy vibe off yeah, of it. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Next up is uh, perhaps the most important film on this list. I'll just say it Ooh. now. And that would be Night of the Comet. Which <laughs> I might be marginally biased. I, I got that one zombie in it. So it's important. Hey, to- you know what? 
You know what? Back back <laughs> off, Bucko. Actually, it has more than one zombie in it. It has zombie cops in it. It has a zombie okay. worker slash possible homeless guy in the alleyway in it. And it ha- it has it has the inspiration, obviously, for the Dharma Initiative and Lost in the scientist group, which also starts to uh, deteriorate and have its fair share of zombies. So, uh, oh, and don't forget creepy zombie kid. Okay, so this right. Night of the Comet definitely is a zombie esque movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. We I, talked about this in our um, Horrors of Consumerism episode where we also reviewed it with Dawn of the Dead. It mm-hmm. has that mall fantasia aspect to it of kind of getting to enjoy the post apocalyptic world a little bit. Um, now, I couldn't remember, did this come up on your top 10 of the 80s list or your top 10 all time list? Joel, I think okay, here's the thing. It, it was, I believe, the 80s one day. So that'd be episode 183. OK, is why I included it there, because this movie, when I was initially trying to make my top 10 list and since it was sort of my trying to make a good first impression on the HMP audience, <laughs> there were multiple times that this movie was like on that list and significantly high up on it because overall it's one of my all time favorite movies. So you buckled. I buckled a little bit, but I felt like I made up for that by putting my, the next movie on this list on that list. <laughs> so, okay. so I, I, I did, I did make up for, I didn't co- I wasn't being a complete suck up in that regard uh, because the next movie on the list is the one, the only, and also from my top 10 of all time, which is night of the creeps. Literally two of my all time favorite movies, period. Yeah. Both have almost yeah. the exact same title. So, right. Yeah, I, I love them. And I feel and Night of the Creeps definitely is is zombie. I mean, you have zombie induced by alien infestation. But if you know what, if we can say rage virus counts as zombie, then by the love of God, we can say slugs in your dead body's brain count yes. as zombie, too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, and, you know, going back to our original infected narrative episode, the idea of just being that there's a loss of agency there. I mean, yes, that's for sure. That's happening. Yes, it is. All right. So next up, after we've now passed the most awesome movies on the list, Night of the Living Deb. Yeah, I, I saw this one. That at first, the main character Deb was sort of uh, was sort of off putting to me, but I did eventually warm up to her, and I I liked this movie. As Kyle Rankin directed it, it was one I'd say, hey, it, it might be worth checking out. But there's another one he did earlier called Infestation that I really liked. And that was one of the reasons I was excited to see Night of the Living Dead because I was such a big fan of Infestation from uh, 2009. Infestation came out. Uh, but Night of the Living Dead, is, it's entertaining and it's it's probably worth seeing. All right. And then the next one is a title that would easily describe what, we, what it would be like if the three of us all died and came back from the dead. And that is Night of the Living Dorks. Yes. A German <laughs> film. A, a German uh, zombie comedy. This one, the three main characters become the living dead and each handle it uh, a little bit differently. Two of them sort of get off on it. One guy uses it to, to, to sleep with a teacher, um, but another guy gets, well, let's just say he becomes more of the raging type of zombie and he's the dorkiest of the three. He was keeping a, a notebook of every humiliation he ever suffered and eventually that book comes back once he is a strong uh zombie who cannot be killed that book comes back into play there are some funny scenes in it again mostly comedy though i would put this definitely in more uh, comedy than than horror all right and then we have paranorman which was uh talked about in episode 97 the horror movies for little monsters i i loved this movie i'm I really obsessed did. with paranorman man That's- i absolutely love it 
I still haven't seen Paranorman. And if I'm not mistaken, this is about the same people who did Kubo and the Two Strings and all yes. those. And there's yes. no excuse because I freaking love like box trolls. I love all of their movies. I do not have any good freaking reason why I have not seen this movie yet with my kids. It should have been part of your Halloween watching with your sons. Yeah, it really should have. I know I'm writing it down now. Better late than never. <laughs> I saw this in 3D in the theater when it came out. I took my, my son to see it. And boy, I loved it. It yeah. just sort of, it, it blew me away. And Kubo and the Two Strings are my favorite by this studio, but Paranorman is is probably a close second. Yeah, uh, this is my, this is like one of my favorite animated films of all time. Oh, wow. You know, I, I don't, I don't love regular animated films, but I get kind of obsessed with anything that's like claymation or stop motion. And this is, this, this, what they do technologically is beyond claymation, but it, you know, it's, basically the highest level stop motion animation you can do and this movie has ghosts and it has witches and a lot of other things going on but there are certainly zombies in it and yeah joel i i want to hear yes your son's reaction to this maybe movie. i can oh, get yeah. them to do a mini review for oh, and the awesome. soundtrack is so cool too. yeah yeah horror movie for kids made by people who love horror movies and kids yes all right recording all right so then moving on for paranorman we have planet terror which is pretty much the same uh, kind of movie. Well, <laughs> Joel, when we did our top 10 of the 2000s list, now I know we actually recorded those way in advance. So yes, we did. Even though to me it seems like we've been talking nonstop because I've been editing all of October. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't actually spoken for about a month. That's true. And um, you said at the time, okay, this is going on my list. I'm going to uh-huh. watch this right away. Uh-huh. How did that turn out? Well, it turned out like it typically does when I tell people that. I <laughs> I mean it very much at the time. <laughs> right. And, and then you, this, really, you really need to see Grindhouse. I need to see the whole thing. Oh, I yeah. Do. yeah if absolutely. I'm being quite frank with you, based on everything I know about Grindhouse, I, I feel like Death Proof will be the one that I really like. But I, I do need sure. to watch both of them. I do need to watch yeah, them. It's an experience. As I said on that episode, it's the full. You want to have the full theatrical with the trailers. You don't want to wa- have them all special features and two different discs. You want to sit down and watch the Grindhouse experience. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting the time to do that because I could safely tell you this is not something my wife would dig. And obviously my kids yeah. aren't quite to the level yet where I would feel no. more comfortable. Right. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Don't, don't confuse it. Don't sit down and invite your son and think it's paranormal and throw gotcha. on planet yeah. terror. You yeah. don't have to Honey, I don't know separate. why he was crying. They said it was fine for kids. <laughs> right. But that was featured in, like you said, the episode 185, top 10 horror movies of the 2000s where we exposed uh, Joel's horrible exclusion of grindhouse from his film watching experience (laughs) and next up we have the one and only pontypool such a good movie it really is absolutely and Stephen mccaddy is what makes it for me he is he's you 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 can see him as this radio host yeah and and since he talks through most of the movie i think that's one of the most for me that's one of the most engaging elements of it and then when things start to break down i mean there's a terrifying sequence where you only hear it and yet you're absolutely terrified for the guy on the other end of, of what's going on yeah he's so good and, and this is a movie that i remember hearing about and i had heard various reviews on different horror podcasts and some people absolutely hated it and just thought it was boring and this that, and the other thing but so I, I went in with just kind of moderate expectation but it was so unique so different such a cool take on what is the cause and it just i i loved it i absolutely loved it. i mean it very much and i don't know maybe it was originally based on a, a stage play it could be a play but it's it's just well so, i would love to go to a pontypool play that yeah. would be yes so cool. 
it felt like it could have been, but I mean that in the best possible way. Because a lot of times you see a movie and you're like, okay, yeah, this could be a play because it pretty much feels, you know, not cinematic. By the way, now that radio drama has really kicked back up with podcasts and whatnot, how awesome would it be to get a Stephen McAddy back and just do a radio drama version of this? With him in the same role. And might have even been what it was originally. Oh, really? Because that would be phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, that would be. I would love to hear that. That would be great. I agree. So definitely check out Pontypool if you have not. And uh, next up we have, I believe this is a trauma film, Poultry Geist. Yeah. Oh, I hate that movie. Episode three. I, I, don't, I, I don't even think I've seen it after basically uh, from you, Josh. I don't think I even bothered watching it. And, and trauma is one of those that I do usually at least enjoy in a, in a bad campy way enjoy it but i did not even bother with poultry guys i definitely go back and forth some of them i absolutely love and you know it really depends on kind of the topic like blood hook love blood hook but poultry guys was not one i could really handle <laughs> cannibal the musical yeah. i'm a fan yeah poultry guys to bridge too far that just you can't you can't uh... oh yeah <laughs> I know we have <laughs> listeners who love it. You know, when I gave my scathing review of it back then, people were not happy with me. I think I don't want to misquote you, Mark, but I think Dark Mark watches this like at Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> I could be wrong, but there are definitely there are people out there who love it, yeah. and uh, I'm not one of them. Yeah, I, I definitely think trauma is one of those things where there are obviously plenty of people that love them, plenty of people that hate them, and then there are people who love, as you said, specific movies and hate yeah. other ones and it's they're, they're very divisive in the most wonderful possible way and Kaufman is great yeah yeah I've never seen Poltergeist and honestly it had nothing to do with the fact that you guys said that I believe I remember seeing the video box or something uh, of it and just thinking yeah you know life is too short and hell I haven't even seen Grindhouse yet so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of subgenres of subgenres uh, whenever one thinks of zombies one thinks you know what we need more is more Jane Austen inspired <laughs> zombie movies and that would be pride and prejudice and zombies so i was a fan of those when they came out i know it's super trite and cliche and everything but when those novels first came out you know it was uh pride and prejudice and zombies was the big one there was abraham lincoln vampire hunter right there was um sense and sensibility and sea monsters and i loved the concept of those and ended up buying my kids the graphic novel version of those and so i I was not against this as a movie concept going in. What I hated about it is they made it kind of like a weird samurai action movie when it came to killing the zombies. It was cool. Like they, they definitely slayed some zombies, but I wanted it to be a little more gritty. I wanted it to be like as if the Pride and Prejudice characters that we know had to take on the zombies, which is what it is in the novel. Uh, you know, and for people who don't know, basically someone just took Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice and then just shifted the words around like it's actually like you're reading pride and prejudice but they just added a whole zombie thread to that story um with 75 percent still jane austen in the story so um i thought it was a great idea as same thing with abraham lincoln vampire hunter why did you make it a stupid action movie you could have had this a cool gritty abraham lincoln fighting sure. vampires i would love that yeah but um right yeah, I was not. I, I I think when we reviewed this back on episode ninety eight, it was a Frankensteinian episode. I gave it a seven point five, and I said avoid. So <laughs> I don't know why I'd have to revisit my review. Yeah, that seems a little contradictory, but sure, we'll go with it. 
Well, that's how, I, that's how I do my ratings and reviews. My my rating is trying to be as objective as possible about the quality of the filmmaking. Yeah. And my recommendation is, do I actually tell people to watch yeah. this? My, my favorites are when you give something like a 9 or a 10, you say, avoid. Yeah. Which I, that's, it's usually the opposite with horror movies. It's usually like, that was a 2, but it's a must-own. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And this one, you know, I, I think what, at least what impressed me about it was how seamlessly they did fold that whole zombie story into this. I mean, this is, a, to me, it's a Jane Austen movie. I mean, that's really what it is. It just happens to have these, these zombies right. in it. And it's like yeah. you're saying, it's just, they took Jane Austen's dialogue and the execution of the Jane Austen portion of it. I enjoyed, I really thought, wow, they did a good job with that. I don't well, disagree even with, in the dead with the flies was so cool. Yes. Yes. Yes, but, but I don't disagree with you. Elements. Right. And that's the same thing they did. You're right with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter is, is they, they made it more action than uh, than I thought it needed to be. I don't disagree. All right. So after that, we will move right into a classic by most people's standards, and that is the one and only Reanimator, which we I love it. had in episode 86, the HP Lovecraft 101 episode. Hmm. Such a good movie. Yes. I mean, it's it's you know it. Uh, <laughs> what 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 does he say? You're you're a, you're a talking head. Go to go go to a sideshow. Yes. Nobody's going to listen to yes. you. Go, to, yes. go join a circus. Yeah, go join something. a sideshow. Oh, I love that part. <laughs> it's a classic. I mean, I think I said in our, our uh, '80s list uh, that you know, From Beyond is always going to be my favorite Stuart Gordon film. Uh, but Reanimator is is definitely up there. It's awesome. And Jeffrey Combs is a big reason oh, why he's phenomenal. He is. He's such a creep oh. <laughs> in this movie. Yes. Um, but yet every time he's on, the energy just picks up. Oh, yeah. He's he's fantastic. Yeah. And I will say that uh, I believe it was in our 80s list episode in the comments. Barely Ashley had listed in her top 10, not Reanimator. She listed Bride of Reanimator. And I confessed in that. Now, I haven't seen Bride of Reanimator in a very long time. But back when I was watching it on the regular, I will tell you, I actually preferred Bride of Reanimator mm. to Reanimator. And Reanimator is a fantastic movie. I will never disagree with that point. And I, I'm almost wondering, too, I think I may have seen Bride first. Like It would have probably come on my radar around the time I was in eighth grade. That's when I'm really starting to, I went to go live with my dad. And I was hitting the video store a lot more. So, and a lot of horror. So I probably saw it first. And then saw Reanimator, and and I did that a lot, which is what and Peter Lo and Daryl love to give me crap for that. I would see like the second or third in a series, and then go back and watch the original. So, but I always had this real soft spot for Bride, but I just don't remember how much true zombie action. Oh, you know, I take it back. You would because now I think the Bride part. So, I mean, I guess you're kind of getting in a Frankensteinian element, but right. Okay, no big deal. So another movie that needs no introduction uh, at all in the world of Zomcoms is Return of the Living Dead. Arguably the first zombie comedy. I mean, there were others around this time. And you, you know, you even said Dawn of the Dead is kind of a zombie comedy to some degree. But, you know, this is one where it really starts transitioning into zombie comedy and its sequel even more so. Yeah, but I saw mm-hmm. this as a kid and I'm going to tell you straight up. This one, actually, I remember being scared by that when I was when I saw it as a kid, yeah, it, 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 it's it's a it's funny as an adult, but it's played so serious. And yeah, I mean, you watch it now as an adult, and certain like things are campy a little bit over the top. But I mean, there. So first off, some of the undead are just chilling the way they they look and the way they act. And there's just I remember being very upset by James Karen and um, Tom Matthews 
characters mm-hmm. and how when, right. when, when they start to go through the process that they go through, it, it, it bothered me less in, in the next movie we're about to talk about on the list. But in the first one, I remember it just bothering me. Like there was something about that movie that, yes, I could totally sit out. It is a comedy horror movie. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, it scared the crap out of me. I can see that. I mean, I loved that whole opening when when James Karen and, and Tom Matthews are going crazy and Clue Gallagher comes in and he's trying to say, like, are you sure? You know, <laughs> yes, and, yes. And they're screaming and they're going they're going wild. I mean, I love that whole uh, opening. Yeah. The part with the dog even freaked me out, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, with the one on the board. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> Wolfman. I mean, I love this movie. I like the sequel too. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this franchise gets so bad at the end, the living dead portion of the dead world. Uh-huh. Um, the living dead franchise gets awful by the end. So I don't want to do a franchise review of this ever, if we can help it. But what I wouldn't mind doing is a franchise overview, kind of like we did with Godzilla, where we just cover the entire franchise in one shot. Sure. And I, I would love to dig in deeper to these first two films because I, yes. I they have a special place in my heart for sure yes which then brings us to uh return of living dead part two which i will tell you now i may prefer it now i think return of living dead is probably overall the better movie if i'm being objectively honest about it but there's something about return of living dead too and just it's so kind of just goofy at times and over the top and it's just i don't know i and, and i mean who can ever 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 go against a movie that has a line like get that damn screwdriver out of my head I love that. If it wasn't for for like the section with the Michael Jackson cameo, I think Uh, that's when it starts to get too much for me. It's just too wacky. It is wacky, but I I love it. I don't care. But I I love love the mythology. And that's what I want to dig into when we actually review these in depth. I love the way the zombie apocalypse starts in this movie. Oh, yes. Yes, it is great. It's maybe my favorite version of explaining a zombie apocalypse ever in a movie i think it's so cool yeah and i also love the fact that return of living dead 2's poster i'm assuming it was not accidental it's totally ripping off fright night right (laughs) and i love the look of both of those posters so it's a classic well yeah if we're gonna talk posters return of living dead is my favorite horror poster maybe of all time oh that's a great poster yeah it's a fantastic poster Next up, we have Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, a movie that I actually legit have on my queue, and we were getting prepared for this episode. I almost watched. I reviewed this on the same episode where I reviewed Freaks of Nature originally. Um, They came out around the same time. They're very similar kind of in terms of tone. I think I like this one less than that one, but I, this was another pleasant surprise. Like, it was fine. It was good. Like, yeah. it's yeah. not, not going to change your life, but... If you want a fun zombie comedy you haven't seen before, it's definitely one to check out. And I think especially if you're the age that these characters are, which is like a teenager, yeah. this would be a fun one to watch with your buddies. Yeah. yeah I, and I don't, I mean, I think uh, I would agree with you. I liked Freaks, Freaks of Nature a little bit more than this one, but it was fine. I, I liked the scenes with uh, David Keckner, uh, Scout Leader Rogers, and Cloris Leachman has a pretty fun small role. But you're right. It's, it's sort of a... Freaks of Nature would be the one I say if you can only see one, see Freaks of Nature. But this was fine and and you know entertaining as well. It's kind of trying to be like super bad. This is right. a zombie movie, right? Exactly, exactly. And then next up on the list, we probably don't have to go in too much because we've already talked about it quite a bit. Which is Shaun of the Dead, which was in uh, yes. also mentioned in yeah. episode one eighty five, which are top ten horror mm-hmm. movies of the two thousands. 
it does deserve a feature review at some point, like a true review. I think we should do, and Dave and I have discussed this in the past, doing the Cornetto trilogy at some point, mm, and just a little yeah. quick mini franchise review. Yeah. Right. Okay. That would be awesome. I'd be down for that. And then uh, next up is Slither, which was mentioned in episode 87, the Comedy of Terrors episode. Yeah. wild movie yes yeah, absolutely yes but again surprisingly good like you see i remember seeing that poster and the trailer just being like that looks like garbage just looks like hot garbage <laughs> see, this is the thing, and, i just want to interject real quick this is the key difference i feel like between you and me wolfman you upset the fact that we're two completely different people with different opinions of thoughts and feelings is the fact that you saw those that was your reaction <laughs> i saw those what oh my god that is amazing well, I didn't have Night of the Creeps in my bank the way you that's did. That's true. I mean, okay, that's I fair. I Night fair. of the Creeps, but that's it wasn't fair. like one of my favorite movies. That is, so. Well, and I think at that point, Nathan Fillion had already been uh, featured on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, I think by right. 2006, he would have been the, the one of the characters in that, Caleb. And uh, so I was always very already familiar with him and uh, knowing uh, knowing enough about James Gunn and his background. I, I remember being stoked out of my mind for that movie. Yeah, well, I watched it. And I think it was one of those movies where I like I had no interest in watching it when I saw it. I don't remember exactly, but anyway, I was like, "What? This is amazing!" And it is like disgusting and over the top and wacky, but it's a really good movie for in that style. I mean, this is this has some hardcore gore and splats and gooiness in it. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Now, is it a zombie movie? I guess is the yes, question. Yes. If, if we're going to make the argument Night of the Creeps is, then we have to make it for this one because, right. I mean, they are like, there is a slug. These are more sentient beings that seem to be controlled by a Borg kind of oh, okay. hive mind. So right? I, or no? Yeah. Zombie comedy adjacent. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like that might be fair. <laughs> and then we have Stalled. I love Stalled. Have you guys seen it? I have not. I have not even heard of it. I talked about this on our Christmas episode, so you weren't paying attention, Joel. I was about to say, so apparently I don't listen when you speak. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. It must have been, it was his, it was his review of um, Cooties that did that. Probably. Oh, I swear you Correct. did that. And I, I just shut down. I was like, I don't want to hear anything this guy has to say ever again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did only mini review it. It's one I would love to talk about more in depth again if we ever did like okay. a full zombie Christmas episode. But yeah, it's a it's a fun little movie. It's super low budget, and it looks like it's gonna be terrible when you first start it, okay. and then it wins you over. Hmm. Basically, it's about a work Christmas party, and there's a janitor who goes into the women's bathroom to get some work done, and two women come in while he's in the bathroom, and one of them has been bitten by a zombie, and he hides in the stall, and the rest of the movie is him trapped inside this bathroom stall trying to get out. And more and more zombies coming into this bathroom as the entire work party gets taken over by the zombie infection. And it's fantastic. That that sounds like it would either be amazing or unbearably boring and tedious. It's super good. <laughs> For some reason, this kind of wacky premise just appeals to me. So I'm going to write that down. Well, and like we're going to talk about, I'm going to bring up a, uh, the start of one of our reviews that we're talking about later, even though this movie has a very low budget look and feel. Mm -hmm. It has an energy that's kind of like oh, that's makes a, it worthwhile. All right, cool. You know? Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Um, checking out stalled on Amazon Prime. If you go to the Amazon Prime page, we've talked in the past about the low quality films you can sometimes find on Amazon Prime. There are about a thousand other zombie comedies I've never heard of. 101 zombies read through all of them that way we won't be accused of missing <laughs> me and my mates versus the zombie apocalypse granny of the dead 
So if you if <laughs> if you feel like we didn't cover enough films here, definitely go to Amazon Prime and watch all this hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Not that we're passing judgment. <laughs> Yeah. This episode is sponsored by Shutter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hot garbage is a, a term we use very affectionately around here. Right. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, moving on from stalled, we have Surf Two. It's a '80s surf movie, like made in the '80s, or it just takes place in. No, made in the '80s. Okay. And I think it's the first film, but it's called Surf Two, right? Okay. And so there's not a Surf One, and it also the tagline is the end of a trilogy. So what uh, surf to the end of the trilogy? See, that feels like something that would have been made nowadays and people were just doing it to be ironic and, and quirky. Right. Eric Stoltz is in it. Really? All right. That's yeah. interesting. I see it here. It's 1984. This is a real thing. Yeah, wow. it's a real thing. And here's the synopsis from IMDb. Evil nerd Menlo wants to get revenge on some surfers by selling a bad batch of soda called Buzz Cola, which turns people into mutant zombies. It's up to Jocko, Chuck, and Bob and their surfer buddies to save the day. I, I kind of want to see this if I'm being I do too. fully honest. You know what? With both uh, yeah, I, I, that's interesting. Stoltz looks okay. very fast times at Ridgemont High. I mean, this is all kinds of amazing. Yeah. Eddie Deason's in it. Which immediately. <laughs> oh, me- God. Come on. <laughs> Eugene from Greece. Oh, yeah. Tom Villard from Popcorn. Buy a bag. Go home in a box. <laughs> It's got Ron Palillo, Horshack from um, Jason Lives. Welcome back, Cotter. <laughs> and Jason Lives. Yes, Jason Lives, but he wasn't Horshack and Jason Lives. Wasn't he, though? Wasn't he a little Horshack? Maybe now he was this- a little Horshack. He wasn't Horshack in uh, in Skate Town, USA. Though. Okay, that's true. He wasn't. Now, this is only listed as a comedy. So, right. Be so, buyer beware on Surf 2. The end of the trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, we have. A movie that thanks to you guys, this is an, this is one of those where as a listener, I feel weird saying former listener, like I got mad and stopped listening. I'll be honest with you, that was when you guys asked me to help out and be a part of the show. I legit had to have a moment where I was like, if I do this, I'm not going to want to listen anymore. That sucks. This is <laughs> you like, should listen sometimes. I don't want to listen to myself. I was <laughs> you, here, man. Yeah, but you miss a lot of it. There's, there's so many segments, yeah. number one. Yeah. Have you heard any of the listeners' campfire tales from October? No, I am. Go- I, I am going to listen to those. I am because that's them. I don't mind doing that. I don't mind listening to you two. I just don't listen to myself. <laughs> don't underestimate how much I'm editing you guys. I'm creating basically entirely that's new true. conversations. That's true. <laughs> right. You're going to go back and listen. Joko said, "Damn, I sound good." Yeah, I was like, "What's yeah. the complaint?" My God, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, my point being is that you guys mentioned Train to Busan, which is the next movie in the list back in episode 106. And when I finally got to see it, I was blown away. I oh, yeah. love this movie. I do, too. That could be my favorite horror movie so far of um, of this decade. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> it's up there. Action horror movie of the decade for sure. Yes. Light on the comedy, I would say, on this one. I, I'm surprised to see it on this list, to be honest with you. I'm trying to uh, remember. It has a comic tone to it at times. At times, yeah. The way they're yeah. approaching the zombies is a bit arch at times. It's life or death the whole time. But they're having funny little realizations along the way. So I, I think it counts. Okay. But yeah, I mean, this is, you know, if we've gone on one end of the spectrum of a quality film like Fido that is mostly a comedy, this is a very quality film. It's mostly horror, which I feel like you right. bring up a spectrum movies that probably have zero, almost nothing to do with actual horror. And then the other side, which are far closer to being 
purely genre. Yeah, my it, boyfriend's back is on one side. Yes. That should be our new measuring stick. It's like, my boyfriend's back <laughs> yeah, is yes. more surf too than it is trained to Busan. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think it's fair. <laughs> <sighs> Good stuff. Yes. So uh, then moving on from Train to Busan, one I have not seen in a long time, but I do remember liking quite a bit. And that is the Australian horror film Undead. That was too much for me. Was it? Uh, yeah, it was just, I mean, the CGI is so bad also, but it was cool. I get why people liked it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a feeling I don't want to revisit it. Like, I think I'm I'm afraid that I'll revisit it and I will have that reaction that you just described. When it came out like, on video for the first time is when I saw it. So at the time, I don't think I yeah. was being as picky about that kind of thing. Right. Um, because I didn't have anything to really measure it against. But now, you know, we're, we're so many years on that I think I probably would watch it and feel very similarly when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, they did a great job with the character stuff, but the world outside just can't do it because the budget's so low. Yeah. I would actually mix that up with Wormwood. Is that is Wormwood? A- oh, Wormwood is, um, yes, there are, there are moments in it that are comedic, as I recall, in some of the dialogue and in some of the situations. But Wormwood also had a very road warrior feel to it. I may have been talking about Wormwood that entire time. I don't know. I I mix those two movies up. Wormwood has a lot going on. I could see why you might think that about Wormwood being maybe a little bit too much. I loved it. I could see where you're coming from with that. There is a lot going on in Wormwood. All right. So moving on from Undead, we have Undead or Alive. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Whoa. Gauntlet thrown. Terrible. (laughs) So it's so, so bad. I want to watch it now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, it's not even watchable on like a laugh at it. It's bad level. Okay. It's so, so bad. Undead or Alive, a zombie is the full title here. Okay. And it's a Chris Kattan movie. Okay. And it's really low quality for a Chris Kattan movie. Like, I'm shocked Chris Kattan would have appeared in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're, you're talking about Corky Romano, right? Isn't that, that's where <laughs> that's the guy. Okay. All right. That's the guy. Night at the Roxbury guy. It's, it's a, it's a zombie Western, which in my mind is the best idea ever for a zombie movie. Now there was a video game I used to play. Did you guys ever play that zombie video game? It was an arcade game and they had it at this place called Lagoon, which I talked about on our fun house of horrors episode. It's kind of like a, you know, a, a local amusement park that's somewhere between Disneyland and a county fair. But um, in their arcade there, they had this amazing zombie Western video game. And I was obsessed with it. And I just thought, man, this would make such a great movie if they would do a movie like this. And they've done two zombie Westerns that I'm aware of and neither have been good, but this one was atrocious. Hmm. Well. I'm trying to figure out what the what the name of the game was. I know. If I figure it out, I'll I'll drop it in. It might have just been like one of these Red Dead Redemption things, but there are probably hundreds of listeners out there screaming the name of oh, this I game. Know. You're probably at their devices. Right. Yeah. God, um, you guys. You're so not yeah. gamers. All right. Next up after Undead or Alive, a movie that Josh claims to be <laughs> one of the worst he's ever seen. Uh comes Warm Bodies. Which Undead or Alive is the worst. He's got nothing but good things to say about Warm Bodies. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That's a, that is, I think, would be a true Zomcom, right? Because I hate it. Really? Do you really hate it? Hate it. I've never seen it. I'm familiar with it. I haven't it, either. And I know it, it plays like a, like a bit of like a romantic comedy, right? Except the guy's it's dead. It's romantic comedy. Yeah. I think the problem with it is they're trying to kind of tap into the Twilight audience oh, at that point. Oh, okay. 
But my biggest problems with it are the zombies. Again, they don't know the world. They don't give a darn about <laughs> zombie rules or lore. And it's just frustrating as a zombie fan. Like, as a romantic comedy, like, if you were forced to watch a romantic comedy with someone who didn't like horror movies, mm-hmm. at least maybe you're getting a little bit out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're like, oh, it's a fine romantic comedy. It's funny at parts. It's romantic at parts, whatever. Mm-hmm. The zombie stuff is, I think, is just atrocious. I hate the way they handled it. Okay, so we're going two for two so far <laughs> with the last couple. Okay. So let's see how you feel about the next one, Wolfman. <laughs> Zombievers. Oh, my gosh. That movie is terrible. <laughs> I feel like we're getting, even though these are in alphabetical order, there seems to be an odd uh, condition where now that we've got these last several, you're just. Yeah, right. That or you're just burned out on this list. I don't know. Maybe that's true. No, this one, I remember Kyle and Jay reviewed this on the show. Kyle, Dr. Walking Dead Bishop came on the show to review Zombievers. You know, we're trying to get him on this show. Yeah. Can't get him. <laughs> But zombievers, by God, <laughs> no issue. Zombievers, I'm there. <laughs> yeah, and their discussion of it just intrigued me enough that I just <laughs> decided to watch it that night after we recorded the podcast. Yes, it's bad. It's not. It's like it's like Cabin Fever meets the Muppets or something. It's just it's not good. Meets I know you like Cabin Fever. I don't mean to disparage Cabin Fever, yeah, but I, I, mean, I kind of like to- Cabin Fever actually. It's tonally, it's tonally just kind of in that like schlocky, crass, vulgar, roast, yeah, yeah, world. But with these little zombie beaver puppets, it's watchable. <laughs> it's it's way better, in my opinion, than Undead or Alive or Warm Bodies. Okay, like, uh, that's fair. But it's just not my kind of movie, sure, I guess. Sure. So that was in episode sixty-two that you were referring to earlier. The yeah. discussion of zombievers. <laughs> Next up is ZMD Zombies of Mass Destruction. Oh yes. my gosh! No, I haven't seen this one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Now this one I have seen. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that Josh said at the beginning of the episode, way back then, was that these movies are always about a little bit more than the zombies. They're about something else. Well, from this title and the time it was released, I think it's like 2007, 2008, somewhere in that time period. This one takes on some very hot button topics from that from that time period. It's about a small conservative town run by a conservative mayor and the preacher has a big say in this town. Um, when you look at some of the main characters, uh, there's a there's a young girl. Her father is Iranian. He owns a, a shop. The Iranian girl faces uh, discrimination from her neighbors, the zombie outbreak. Um, it's it's actually blamed on her and her father. And a guy is going back to his mother's house to finally come out of the closet to her and say, hey, I'm gay and, and this is my partner. And end up uh, sort of being held by the preacher and his group. There's political messages in this film. And that's really almost like why you'd think, hey, maybe this is why this film was made. That said, I mean, I'm not I'm not downing the movie. I don't think it's terrible. And um, unlike the movies Josh was talking about, I think this one at least understands the world of the zombies and what happens and and how characters interact with them and uh, some of the blood and gore. But just go in knowing that, especially for that time period, and I guess even into today, it's just um, a lot of a very political sort of minded movie. I just want to say this real quick, Dave. So it sounds to me, though, like the way you described, they see the villain part of this movie. Is mm-hmm. it is it is one note and is um, one dimensional as it sounds or or is it a little more? I would I would say 
Yes. Okay. <laughs> I think when you're when you're dealing with uh, the two characters who are sort of the antagonists, mm-hmm. the snively whiplash, twirling our mustache, kind of yeah. The only thing they're missing is the mustache. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, what are you gonna do? <laughs> Watch Zombievers. That's probably what I'm gonna do. Right. Right. I don't know that Zombievers has the same political message. I feel like it as might. Though. I feel like it's, it, it, it's possible based on the title. Uh, I feel like based it, on the title, and and I don't know what the puppets get into. Yeah. But it's it's possible. Perhaps. Uh, <laughs> all right. So next up, we have a movie that I love that in the title, as it's listed here, has the star's name as part of it, which is Zombie Hunter with Danny Trejo. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wrote that down oh, to remind oh, myself. Oh, really? I was Sorry. hoping that was actually part of the title. Like it's a TV <laughs> show. So, so Bella Lugosi met a Brooklyn gorilla and uh, Danny Trejo went up against Sa- was a zombie Sa- hunter. Okay. Oh my so gosh. People, I don't know if people know this, but Danny Trejo is a guy who will do any movie basically. <laughs> right. And I mean, he sees it as like an act of patron and she'll work on really low budget movies because he wants to help out young emerging filmmakers. And so, you know, if you're a, a filmmaking hopeful and you contact Danny Trejo, there's a good chance you can get him in your movie, you know? And so he, the guys who made us actually know a lot of the cast. Um, they made another movie called Cyborg X that one of my best friends is in. And uh, I don't think they're that good at films, but uh, they have Danny Trejo in all of them. Yeah. <laughs> so. I will say this is that I feel like Danny Trejo Obviously, he realizes, you know, the cachet of his name and, and the things that he's been involved with that he can contribute that to, right. you know, these other films and, and uh, give somebody a shot. I think it's cool. Yeah. There are a few young actors from Utah that I know that are in there. Shona Kay is a good friend of mine. I've worked with her before. Jared Phillips is a good actor. Jake Swazo is a good actor. And Claire Niederprum, she's my friend's wife, uh, McLean Nelson's wife. She's a director in her own right. She's really good. And I, I remember liking her in this as well. But excellent. Cool. All right. And then I might as well just lump the next two together. <laughs> Although one of them will be getting reviewed later in the show, which is Zombie Land, which is an episode eighty seven, the comedy of terrors, and Zombie Land to Double Tap, which will be the one that's getting reviewed later. So when I had Shaun of the Dead in my two thousands list, I was pretty clear that I thought it was the best zombie comedy of all time and it wasn't close. And I was a little bit embarrassed and surprised to see that a lot of our listeners had zombie land in their top 10 and Shaun of the dead, maybe like down in the honorable mentions. So clearly I'm not like, that's not a given, you know, there are a lot of people who prefer zombie land. It's a great movie. I, I, I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I like the way that they adhere to all these rules. You know, we talked about how all of these, a lot of these zombie comedies break zombie rules left, right, and center. I like that this movie goes out of its way to kind of explain. Now, oh, a lot yeah. of these are more like rules for survival. Sure. But I right, like right. the way the film deals with those. That they explicitly lay out the rules. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. I haven't seen. It's funny. I have not watched Zombieland, the first one, in a very long time. I mean, I know I saw it at least a couple of times shortly after it came out. But then the realization that, wow, that was 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. And so Zombieland 2, obviously, later on in the review, we'll go into my feelings about it. But. I don't know if that worked in its favor more for me. It, it might have. Like, I don't know if maybe I, I had watched the first Zombieland right before I went into Zombieland 2. I don't know if I would have reacted the same way because there were certain things that were set up even in, in the first Zombieland that they do in Zombieland 2 that I 
pretty much forgotten about. So, right. um, so they worked better for me. So, you know, I mean, I always felt like when I've gone into the zombie land to be like, oh, well, that's redundant. Oh, they're just retreading the same ground. I didn't feel that as much, mainly because I think I hadn't seen the first one in so long. It'll be interesting because although the first movie is pretty broad, um, I the trailer for the second one seems to be more arch than I'd say I, that's probably accurate. I don't know how you're going to feel about it. The more I yeah. think about it, <laughs> I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. Me too. Yeah, Zombieland's a classic. So Absolutely. go out and watch it if you haven't watched it yet. And we are going to compile our joint top 10 list. We're going to try to start doing this thing where we create some written lists as something to do kind of between episode releases. Mm-hmm. And it's something kind of fun where we each of us give our own top 10 lists and then we make them weighted based on a score and create a, a group top 10 list. And we will have that available. Yes, so yes. if you heard us talk about these last 130 movies and you're like, wow, that all washed over me and I don't know what to watch. Uh, check out our list and there'll be some more firm recommendations there. Right. Zombieland will definitely be on my list anyway. It has, it, along with just being a fun movie, has one of the all-time great celebrity appearances. I'll put it that way: of celebrity playing themselves. Absolutely, probably my favorite. Yes. Of, of any movie that I've ever seen. Yeah, and and not knowing about it when you first saw it was just right. Tremendous. Yes. It was. It was phenomenal. <laughs> okay, so we also we have to mention Zombieology. Enjoy yourself tonight. That is a weird freaking movie, <laughs> man. Uh, I don't know that I can recommend it for horror fans, but if you like the absurd cinema of Asia, then this is one for you, and you can watch it on Amazon Prime right now. Uh, crazy, strange movie. Kind of fun. Pretty fun. I watched it last year to see if I needed to include it on my list, and that was a hard no. Mm. I did not. <laughs> There's one movie that was not on the list that I do want to add. Uh, it is a Japanese movie. I want to say from 2010. It is called Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm not going to give too much of a synopsis of this. It is about a group of people who end up in a village that uh, is overrun by zombies they, co- they emerge in a very unusual way, and if you could just look back at the title uh, to figure that out. Um, there, you know, from the title, you can get an idea of what it's about, but there is a scene in this movie, and it starts in an outhouse, and it goes on for about 15 minutes after it, where I almost was like, nah, I don't think I can make it through this. I almost turned it off. I did sit through the rest of the movie. There's some people out there, as soon as they hear the title, they're going to want to see it. Just like there are some people out there, as soon as they hear the title, they're going to say, no way in hell. <laughs> I understand that. So it doesn't matter what I say here. I cannot recommend the movie because uh, there are certain things that just really gross me out. And this movie has uh, all of them <laughs> times three. Um <laughs> Along with plenty of excrement and gore. So anybody who has a sort of yearning for the exploitation movies of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, it is alive and well in uh, Japanese cinema of at least back in 2010. Because, man, I'm telling you, there are moments in this movie I can't unsee. And... Well, speaking of that, Dave, I just read your review of Mutant Girls Squad that you did for our 31 Days of Halloween. Yes. And I thought, oh, his review sounds pretty interesting. And then I looked up some of the images from the movie and I was like, okay. (laughs) Oh, no. That's that's a lot. And it's funny because this the guy who directed 
zombie ass toilet of the dead is the same guy who directed machine girl which i really liked i really liked machine girl i thought wow I, okay let me let me check this out no um it's it's uh, I, I will not recommend it as a matter of fact if you do watch this movie i don't want to hear anything about it um because i'm telling you not to see zombie ass toilet of the dead Wow. So one that I wanted to bring up in this vein is a film called I Am a Hero. This is one that people were asking us several years ago. Is this going to be on your top 10 list this year? Is this going to be on your top 10 list this year? People were saying it was one of the best movies of 2015. They were it was one of the best movies of 2016. And it never came out in the United States. And I was just about to say now it never came out here. But then as I pulled it up on IMDb, it says watch now on Prime Video. Hmm. So <laughs> I click on it. It has the original Japanese version is available at least to rent or buy on Amazon Prime. I don't know that the DVD ever came out, but um, I've heard great things about it. I don't know how comedy it is. IMDb has it listed as action horror, but uh, I've heard really, really good things about it. So the important thing is we've learned what not to watch just as much as what to watch. There's one more I'm curious about Zombie Island from 2019. This looks like a lot of fun. A group of strangers find themselves trapped on an island during a storm. The situation becomes even worse when it transpires that the island is home to hordes of undead, and only by working together can they find a way off the island. This goofy action movie borrows liberally from Romero and Giallo and delivers with a unique Chinese twist. So hmm. that's the one I'm going to add to my list to check out. What was that one again? That one is called Zombie Island. That's one of the uh, many, many, many additional zombie comedies I found on Amazon Prime that I'd never heard of. Gotcha. Uh, there's also Zombie Spring Breakers that looks like it's along the same lines. So, uh, yeah. If you thought we didn't mention enough, just head over to Amazon Prime. Be the first person probably to ever watch Zombie Swamp Zombies they have over here. <laughs> Pop Punk Zombies. Nerd of the Living Dead. Vamp Zombies 2. The list goes on and on. <laughs> Wise guys versus zombies. Wow. Oh, biker warrior babe versus the zombie babies from hell. <laughs> ah, and we thought we named all the quality ones. Yeah, we really yeah. did. But I think the funniest part to me is how it almost seems, it gets to the titles are so ridiculous. You almost feel like there probably isn't actually a movie. They just right. <laughs> all the creativity was just <laughs> right. dumped into coming up with the wackiest possible title that is a twist on zombie. Right. Yes. All right. Well, then that I believe wraps up a robust discussion of zombie comedies, a.k.a. Zomcoms. So uh, let us know what you think. Let us know if we missed any that were your favorites and be sure to include them in the comments of the show notes for this episode. And I guess with that, we will move into our first feature review for Zombieland Double Tap. Welcome to Zombieland. Life is about more than just survival. We were a family. Dysfunctional, sure, but what family isn't? Merry Christmas! What would you like, little girl? I'd really like for you to stop calling me little girl. It felt so good to be on the move again. Whoa! Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Columbus. Madison. This is Tallahassee. Hey, Paul Blart. Is this your dad? I forgot the seatbelt rule. Oh, so she knows the rules? I told her just a few of them. 73, and are there more? You're cute. I like it. My sister is gone. 
She picked up a boy. He's from Berkeley. Berkeley. You don't have weed, do you? <laughs> do I look like the type of person that would have weed? I'm sorry. Boom. Yeah. We're gonna go get her. We ride it, Dawn. Start talking. You first. Well, my name's Tallahassee. So Zombieland Double Tap is obviously a 2019 release and uh, just a real quick read of the uh, IMDb summary. It's Columbus, Tallahassee, Wichita and Little Rock move to the American heartland as they face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. That's pretty accurate. Uh, if you are a fan <laughs> of Zombieland 2009, I think you will love this movie. If you are not a fan of Zombieland 2009, I think you will feel the exact same way about this movie because this movie does something interesting, which is now I haven't seen the original Zombieland in a very long time. I saw it shortly after it came out on video. I didn't see it in the theater. And I think I've seen it at least maybe one more time since then, but it's been years. So it's been a while, but I remembered enough about it. I remember the tone. I remembered without giving any spoilers away, sort of a key iconic moment involving a certain celebrity that is amazing. And this movie is so reminiscent of it, but it, it does this interesting thing where it doesn't feel redundant. Like so many times, especially with a comedy, because let's just be frank, this is a comedy horror movie, not a horror comedy. It is filled with gore. It is filled with lots of violence, but it's so goofy and over the top at times. And then the characters are just so broadly portrayed. There's no there's no scares in it. I mean, there's a few moments of, I guess you could say, mild suspense involving, as they, they mentioned here, the evolved zombies, which is kind of a cool. They try to at least amp things up a little bit it, it just as a as a movie though it feels very much in line with okay it's 10 years on and we're, we're visiting these characters so if you love these characters i believe you will love this movie and i really did i enjoyed the movie a lot i like horror comedy i usually i guess it's a mood thing like sometimes i prefer my movies more horror than comedy <laughs> but if i go in with the right mindset i am totally fine with it being comedy and then horror, which this very much, like I said, falls into that camp. So for me, it was a lot of fun. It was I mean, I was in a theater. I thought up until the last trailer played, I was going to be completely by myself. I went during the week uh, and it had already been out for a few days at this point. And two little old ladies <laughs> came in and literally every other seat in this theater is available. And I crap you not, folks, these lovely ladies decide to sit directly in front of me. Now, it is a stadium uh. theater and I can't release. But then, of course, and then one of them pulls out her phone. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you really? Uh. And uh, as the movie started, they actually put the phone away. <laughs> I was very happy to see she stopped playing her game or whatever she was doing. And they watched the movie. And there was just something about, though, knowing this whole theater was empty and we were two feet apart that I just, I couldn't. And I just got up and moved like four rows back <laughs> because I just couldn't. So <laughs> I had, I've had that exact same thing in yes. a full empty theater. An older lady came in, sat right in front of me. Yeah. And then a minute later turns around and goes, oh, there's somebody else here. Yes. And decides it's time to gab. Say, oh, oh, I come no, to they the didn't movies do that. every thank, now and again. Oh, and, thank God. Uh, so what, that. I mean, my wife still gives me hell for doing this. I just stood up and walked to the back of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> you, you didn't say a word. You just rose 
and walked. I just, I just, I just didn't say a word. Just stood up. Boom! Went right up the steps. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> that I would see. I don't have the. I don't have the intestinal fortitude to do something like that. I'd have humored her and then felt like this bitter, passive aggressive resentment <laughs> because I wouldn't be left right. alone. But yes, I. Luckily, I don't know that they did notice me because they didn't look at me. They didn't acknowledge me because for me, that would creep me out. I don't even care if it is a comedy movie sitting directly in front of the, the only other person in the theater would just give me the heebie jeebies to have them like right behind me. But that's, you me. know, what? I was thinking as you were talking, man, this doesn't bother me at all. You guys, you guys are very sensitive. <laughs> I, I'm I'm in it for the communal experience when I go oh. to a movie theater. But <laughs> definitely when you, there are just a few people in theater, then it does get creepy. I, I've talked about on the show before a couple of times where it was just me and another guy uh-huh. and he was on one end and I was on the other end. And I think we were watching strangers too. It may have been, but it was something kind of freaky. Like it was, you know, a, a legit horror movie and we were just eyeing each other the whole time. Like anytime something yeah. scary would happen, we'd look at each other. Like, are you coming to me? <laughs> yeah. I'm not coming to you. Are you coming to me? Yes. And yes, exactly. <laughs> The only other time that I had like a really creepy experience, which you just reminded me of, was during It Follows, someone sat directly behind me in a mostly empty theater. <laughs> and I could just I could just hear him wow. breathing behind yeah, the, oh, me. Oh, that drives me crazy. The entire too. time. And I'm like, oh bro, like this is not the movie to have someone breathing down your neck behind you. No, it really time. isn't it. It really isn't at all. <laughs> and and more to the point, this theater I'm in wasn't even a reserved seating theater. So it wasn't like a situation where they looked at it and they picked it. They came in and improvised this. They just sat and it's like right in front of me. So anyway, <laughs> I was expecting after Metallica at the at the opening of Zombieland 2 and to a, a extraordinarily awesome slow motion, hyper violent demonstration of how this unit now works together as a team um, as they're approaching the new home that they want to occupy, which if you've seen the trailer, I'm sure you can figure out where that is. And it's great. It's fantastic. But I'm thinking, yep, this is when they walk out. Yep, right there. Because, it, you know, it's full on just limbs flying and, all you know, blood and grew and go all slow motion with this just thrashing metal. And no, they sat there. I could hear them cackling. They were... <laughs> <laughs> they were all into it, man. They sat from- I was going to ask you, maybe they just saw the first 20 seconds of the trailer where it's like, Academy Award winner, Jesse yeah. Eisenberg. Academy he, Award. Yes. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're like, I like that Woody. He was so good on the cheers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but no, they, they were soup to nuts, man. And th- this movie, you know, is definitely not for the squeamish, uh, which I know they're pretty much, I am the vast majority of the audience listening right now is totally fine with that. But for more mainstream audiences, I think, you know, it goes to some places. I mean, there are some amazing moments, uh, but I will say that, my a couple of my favorite moments, one of which I cannot speak of because it's spoiler and I just won't do that because it's such it's it's a very fun thing that happens. So I won't say that. But there are moments in it that they refer to things like the zombie kill of the week or the zombie kill of the year. And then they'll yeah. cut away to something happening that like, oh, no, no, you didn't get it. That bit uh, is in the movie and. Which I don't was it in the first one because I don't even remember who it was. Yeah, it was, it was okay. I thought, I, I, it seemed for yeah. like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen the first one. I think they had two, but the, yeah, the idea because the show was originally pitched as a television series, and so the idea is that every week you'd have a different zombie kill of the week on the series, and that was that was where that joke came from. Yes, and then they never, you know, then it got made as a film instead of a series, but then Amazon made it as a series. <laughs> And they picked up, they picked up on that joke, but then that series failed. So you only got like eight kills of the week, but 
Well, and, and to your to your point, I it seemed familiar, <laughs> but I didn't. Like, it's been so long since I've seen the first one. I think the the main things I remember were um, uh, uh, Columbus's rules and, uh, and 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 Tallahassee's yeah. behavior. That was pretty much the main things I remember from the original. But for this one, uh, there's several of them, and they are hilarious for the most part. They're absolutely hilarious, and there is what I would define they do, the one that they end up defining is sort of the coup de gras of, of zombie kills. I actually think it's one, something that happens before that uh, near the end of the, in the third act of the movie that is just genius. It is, it is amazing. So it is a fun movie, a very good time. It is hilarious. I think it would have been a lot more fun had it been no offense to my uh, compatriots in the audience uh, <laughs> during that particular screening, but had it been a packed house, I think this would be a really great like you said, Josh, that communal experience with an audience, especially for a comedy. Right. I mean, no two genres, I think, benefit more from the communal experience than horror and comedy. And this particular movie, I think, would really benefit. However, I think it does speak volumes that it didn't actually hurt it. I might There might have been some things I would have laughed even more had it been, you know, the contagion of the audience around me, the, the laughter contagion. But I still found it very funny in parts and I didn't walk away feeling like, well, there, you know, it's an hour and 40 something minutes of my life wasted. I mean, it was right. a, a surprisingly strong sequel to a, I think, very effective uh, comedy horror film from 10 years ago. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, was really hopeful for Ruben Fleischer as he started his career and he's made films that on paper are like made for me. Gangster squad, on paper is exactly my kind of movie. 30 minutes or less on paper, exactly my kind of movie. I'm a big Spider-Man fan and Venom, of course. So I thought Venom was going to be for me and all of his movies for me have just kind of fallen flat. And I've been kind of disappointed in, in him as a director because they're so close to what I love in my wheelhouse. So I'm super excited to hear that Zombieland 2 at least lives up in some way to the original, which again is a really good example of a, comedy horror film i will say the trailer freaked me out a little bit because it had some stuff that seemed like more obnoxious mainstream comedy gags than i would say zombie land the original had which were the girl that um columbus meets that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Seemed madison really yes. annoying to me she, oh no let and, me tell you right now i warn you oh that, that never stops being annoying but oh some, but i don't know some, if i can even take that but dude. some of the payoff for where it goes it makes it worth it, in my opinion. I, there were some moments that were just like, as you could tell, just just remembering back uh, a couple of key and then moments. There's a minute in the in the trailer where it features um, like Luke Luke Wilson. Yes. Yep. Yes. And Thomas Middleditch. Yes. And it similar to the scene in Shaun of the Dead where they kind of meet their doubles. Yes. Very much that. Yes. Walking through right. the alleyway, and I just. I just saw that and I was like, why? What is this? Why? What is this in here for? It, it, really, it really serves no other purpose other than to be hilariously absurd. I, I mean, if I'm okay. just being frank with you, it didn't bother me. I'd say if you don't like that <laughs> in other things and you found that to be a turnoff from the trailer, then I don't know where you're going to come down on this movie. I will tell you the thing that I can't speak of because of the spoilery nature of it. Yeah made me think at the end that this went from being a certain point level to at least a, at least a solid point higher because of just that element being in this movie. Okay. So, well, I, I definitely have a crush on Jesse Eisenberg and Luke Wilson and Rosario Dawson is probably my, yeah. you know, what's funny about her character. I've thought a lot about her character. 
I don't want to say she was wasted because I liked her in it, but I, I don't know. It's, I guess maybe because, you know, Emma Stone is so probably, and I love her character in it as well. Um, but I, I kind of felt like anybody maybe could have done that part. I don't know yeah. that it needed. I mean, I was happy to see her there. I think she's a great actress. And I, I think she's fantastic, but it's just, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like you sometimes go away going, I don't know if it had to be Rosario Dawson. It could have probably been virtually anybody. That's right. But I, I mean, it's the the chemistry. And actually, that's the one thing I will say that I liked about her. And maybe this is what she absolutely would be bringing to the table is she fit in with their group well. And the chemistry amongst the whole cast is really good. I mean, it just as it was obviously in the uh, 2009 for a lot of people, the, this version they have, there's just a good back and forth. I mean, they're kind of split up to some degree at certain points in the movie, but it just, it works well. And I will say this, hands down, it's not just because, you know, his name is the capital of my home state, but Tallahassee, Woody, he's such a, he's so wonderfully awful in so many ways. He's just, he really, to me, I mean, I love Eisenberg's character because I probably can relate more to him and really, like, you know, but Tallahassee is just, I don't know, it's, it's a pleasure to watch. And in some ways he steals the movie at a couple of key points. Madison just I don't know that that just seems so arch and so outside the tone of the original film that's my biggest worry. it was it, I will say this when it first happens and everything it was jarring it it, it took me I, I get where they were going with it and what they were doing but it was a bit abrasive and jarring to the point where you realize that was the joke and they they ride that joke man they don't uh, I will give credit where credit's due they didn't they don't back off the joke <laughs> It's just what you got in that trailer of her. It's pretty much her. So I think the fascinating thing about her character is the constant question of how is it remotely possible (laughs) that she would have survived (laughs) to this point in the post-apocalypse. But (laughs) do they explain why every person in the movie has a city name except for Rosario Dawson, who has a state name? There is a payoff at the end. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I'm just curious. Yes. Yes. Why isn't she Las Vegas? Yes. Reno. Yeah. yeah. The, the, there is. A, I will say without giving it away, there is a payoff. Okay. But yeah, it's it's a fun movie for me. It is a seven out of ten. So that gives you a hint of where I was leaning up until a certain key moment in the movie. Um, but it uh, it's a seven. It's a solid seven out of ten. I found it to be funny. It was enjoyable. It will not be in my top ten. So no one freak out. They go great. Is this guy going to put this movie in his top ten horror movies of the year? No. I'll tell you now. I will not. <laughs> But it was fun. So if you like comedy, you like a lot of horror and gore mixed in your comedy, I think you'll enjoy Zombieland Double Tap. Hmm, interesting. There's a lot of people who would put the original film in their top 10, I bet. So Yeah, I feel, yeah, but I feel like in a way, well, again, what I'm going purely from memory here, that movie, even though it was obviously a comedy first, I just, it's odd. It's like this feels more like just a straight up comedy to me. And maybe I need to go back and revisit the first or maybe I'll feel the same way after rewatching it again. I'll be like, oh, no, they're pretty much totally the exact same thing. But I don't. All right. So that wraps up my feature review for Zombieland Double Tap. And now we will go into our feature review for Little Monsters. Next stop, Pleasant Valley. super fun time on our trip. I want you all in the line in front of me and away we go. Why are we stopping? There must be something in the way. What is it, Miss Caroline? Oh, God. Start the trap, 
scared. <gasps> Who remembers how to play tag? Well, those funny looking people out there are in. <laughs> is a comedy horror from Australia. Dave, the lead character, has recently broken up with his uh, longtime girlfriend, and he moves in with his sister and her sister's young son, Felix. Well, Dave ends up uh, getting roped into joining Felix's class, almost like a petting zoo or something. Yeah, it's like a zoo for kids, yeah. Yeah, okay. So he he's, goes along with the teacher, Miss Caroline, he has kind of a crush on the teacher is the main reason why he goes along. But something happens while at the zoo. And the next thing you know, the children, Miss Caroline and Dave, are all being threatened by a zombie invasion from a nearby military facility. And you know what? It's funny. The way this movie started out, I was kind of thinking it was almost like the bad Santa of zombie movies. Oh my god, I thought the same thing, Dave. <laughs> I literally in my notes wrote the same exact thing. Cuz Dave, he's not a good guy. <laughs> nope. He's he's just not a good guy and you you can see why the girlfriend moved on. You can see why the sister almost kicks him out a couple times. He does sort of straighten himself out at least enough to when they're with the kids and then another character comes in. Josh Gad playing Teddy McGiggle, this uh, this child television star, yes. and he ends up at the petting zoo, and he's every bit as uh, creepy and un-PC as Dave. He's worse. Well, he's sort of a kid star until the zombies enter the picture, and then he's just a total prick mm-hmm. from, from that point on. <laughs> Let me just put it this way. There's a scene with a class picture. But I was like, oh, man. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Lupita Nyong'o. She was great. I thought she did a a great job as as this very dedicated teacher. I mean, probably uh, above and beyond (laughs) what most teachers would be. Certainly above and beyond what Teddy McGiggles would be as far as children are concerned. (laughs) Um, And I did kind of like how her and Dave's relationship sort of developed when all hell broke loose and she could kick a little butt too when the cards were down or I'm sorry, when the chips were down is the saying. I really did like it. I was, I was laughing, especially towards the beginning of this movie, almost laughing uh, sort of in spite of myself thinking, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I should be laughing at some of this, but it, it still made me laugh. I have to admit. <laughs> and once it got to the zombie 
section of the film. I liked how that went too, and it, they still kept the humor going with it. So yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I thought this was almost like about a boy if it was a zombie movie or something like that, you know? It's right. a romantic comedy, but very irreverent, as you guys have alluded to. I mean, extremely mm-hmm. irreverent. I talked about this on our Sundance coverage this year. Back on episode 167, I was with Kagan and William. We were just going through talking about some of the films that we saw at Sundance, and I gave kind of a preview of this. So I won't go into my thoughts quite as much as you guys. I'll let you guys kind of take the reins. But I, I'm just thrilled that Lupita Nyong'o is, who's, you know, is a classy A-list serious actress, and she's doing horror movie after horror movie right now. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. Academy Award winner, Lupita Nyong'o. Right. Yeah. Her two films where she's the lead came out the same year, and they're both horror films. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. Yeah, yes. that is great. So, is. I, I don't kind of get the Dave character in this. It's a little bit, why is he even in this? To, to me, it's, this is really should be Caroline's movie, and mm-hmm. she's really should be the star of this scenario, and it feels a little bit regressive, like kind of the man-boy you know, Judd Apatow kind of movie. It's where it's like, there, there's no reason for her to have any interest in this guy, <laughs> but you know, it is that just that kind of film. So it's fine. But I, I really like her in the film and for my money. Josh Gad steals the show. I think he is the thing that just kept me laughing hysterically. As Dave said, kind of in spite of myself the whole time. He is hilarious. Yes. I, I will jump in here to say I started this movie and I am far from being a shrinking violet. I am not someone who is easily offended by any stretch of the imagination, okay? But I I found the first, literally the first half of this movie grating. I, Dave, that, that whole opening with the screaming, the, and I get what they were trying to do establishing with him and his girlfriend, but it was so just unbearably awful and toxic. I couldn't even, I, I almost like, I, I don't know if I can do this. I'm going to, first of all, I'm like, where's Lapita? What, what is happening? She's supposed to be the star of this. I watched the trailer. I thought this was like cooties, but with Lapita Nyong'o, what is happening right now? And so <laughs> I, I had no idea what was going on. And I'm like, who is this guy? Why? This is obnoxious. And then the whole thing started with his nephew. And, and that's exactly what I, and I put in my notes, Dave, bad Santa. This is bad Santa with zombies. <laughs> And right. because it felt very much like, you know, he's this horrible role model for this kid and he's, you know, just all the thing. Now, I will say the whole Darth Vader bit and the stay in character was, I mean, it was hilarious. It was really yes. funny. <laughs> it, was really right. it was great. And that kid was so sweet. It was just, it was so cute. And, and he was so unlike, unlike Bad Santa, like this kid was actually like, you know, like didn't feel like they were just being mean to him. So, right. and, and you know, Daryl and I've had this back and forth about Bad Santa. I feel like awful for even liking that movie on any level, just because it feels mean just downright mean <laughs> daryl of course thinks it's a christmas classic uh but, right. but for me it, it's not so i'm thinking of a halfway point of this movie if this is what this movie is if it's basically just bad santa with zombies and Lapita nyango is in this secondary role and that's all this is going to be I, this is going to be way lower for me than i thought it was i went into this with really high hopes and then the souvenir shop begins and from that moment on I freaking love this movie because to your point, Josh, the Josh Gad 
character and where and, i mean you know he's a fake and and, and you know and a d-bag you get right. you get all that that's set yeah. up very early on you totally pick up on those vibes but it's so flagrant and it's so obnoxious <laughs> and he's so just self-interested and just has no like couldn't care less whether anyone else lives or dies doesn't matter how old they are doesn't matter who they are and just the fact that that carries us all the way through the climax of the movie and how everything ends up without giving anything away and and the payoff of of how everything ends up at the chuckle mobile or whatever it's called is mm-hmm. <laughs> unbelievably hilarious and satisfying all at the same time so uh it it, it is a like it's irreverent like you say i said it is disgusting i I mean if you're a a gore hound at all you will love i mean that they go there with with certain moments and it's just it is really funny but it is shockingly sweet in that last half and Mm -hmm. i am it really is really surprisingly so and look at the end of the day i'm a sap I, I get sentimental about all kinds of crazy stuff. And there may have even been a point in this movie where I got, uh, th- it may have got a little dusty in the room. Like there was actually a really <laughs> sweet, tender moment in this movie for me. Mm-hmm. I found the whole thing to be irreverent and in bad taste, but it never, for me, ever got too mean spirited. Like it never felt right. ugly and mean. You could go there, but it would have lost me emotionally. Right. I thought that's the kind of movie it was going to be. It was going to be meaner and uh, uglier that way. And I'm just glad it wasn't. I just, I liked it that it was a twisted, irreverent, gross out comedy that had a heart before it ate yeah. that heart. <laughs> It was a lot of fun. I was pleasantly surprised. It had brains before it ate the brains. <laughs> yeah, or that. That works too. Even with the kids. I mean, they set a couple of them up at the beginning to be sort of like the mean kids. But then it doesn't really develop further than that, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. They didn't have these kids as like the one note characters that you might have even seen in an 80s movie where this kid's just the jerk. They were just sort of regular kids, all of them. You know, and I think that's where the film really does take off in that second half. And it's almost as if Dave transferred his negative energy over to Teddy McGiggles or Teddy McGiggles swallowed it up. Yes. Probably is more like it because that guy just, you're right. You sense it from the beginning that there's no way this guy is kid friendly. You'd never, I, I, just from the way he was acting, I'm like, I don't know if I trust my kids around this guy. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to be there. Uh-huh. Um, and sure enough, wow. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a big, big way. But it's a genius move from a screenplay perspective. Yeah. Because the only mm-hmm. way to make Dave palpable for us and for us to start to forgive his transgressions will be to have somebody right. even worse. <laughs> right. Right. And they did mm-hmm. it. Kudos to you. Yes. <laughs> and, and how many times did they sing that bad word song? Oh, that was great. Every time. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. But can I make that point without giving too much away? But with Miss Caroline, the Lapita Nyango character, there's a moment because you've definitely got this right, very sunny. I mean, you got the beautiful yellow dress on. She's so yes. perky. She's such a kindergarten teacher, right? The cliche. But there's right. a moment like, where they she has a quiet moment with Dave, and she says a few things, and you're like, oh yeah, she's real. Yes, mm-hmm. it kind of reminds you of Life is Beautiful. The yes. approach to I would argue Life is Beautiful was <laughs> even darker. Well, I mean, obviously it was darker in the sense it was dealing with what it was dealing with, but meaning, <laughs> right, right. meaning like where it goes, I feel like you know definitely was dark but i see your point yes it has that quality there is a quality there that's similar Mm -hmm. the face she puts on because she's got to be her bravest best self to keep these kids alive and she states it Mm -hmm. clearly i have one goal 
one goal, and that is to protect these kids at all costs. And right. uh, I, I love her so much. She's such a great actress. That yeah. was a great scene. And what she what she did with Teddy McGiggles. Oh my God, I love that so much. <laughs> that was even better. It was very emotionally satisfying. Yeah. You know, so many things you watch it, it just, it doesn't quite hit those beats where you feel that satisfaction. Oh, it was very satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did you end up watching this with your wife then? Oh, no, not yet, but I will. I think she'll like, I because I told her I had started it and she came in and I said, yeah, I started Little Monsters. I do not think you're going to like it because she's she, bad Santa. She, she watched it, but she's like, eh. she just doesn't, you know, because it's yeah. mean. It's a, it's a right. mean movie. She's yeah. not a mean person. Right. So she's like, eh. So I, I thought she probably wouldn't like this because I thought that's what this was going to be. And I am happy to report I was wrong. Now, for people who love a good mean comedy a la Daryl, I'm sure he'll be gravely disappointed. <laughs> but for me, <laughs> I was happy. And I think she will be as well. Cool. All right, so you guys want to do some rating and uh, recommendations for this one? Josh? Yeah, I think now I have not seen this since Sundance. I was planning on rewatching it this week online, but I just didn't get a chance to. So based on that memory I have of it, I think I probably would come in around a 7.5 on it, but I still think it's a buy it for me personally as a fan of the zombie comedies. And I think I would definitely recommend it as a rental. And personally, I would buy it. All right. Well, I am also a 7.5. Now, it's mainly because, again, I found the first half, especially that first like 20 minutes or so, so unbelievably grating with him. But I feel like this is a movie I'm going to rewatch and with and rewatch it with my wife. And I will end up being a it, probably a good point higher is my guess, uh, just because I ended up loving the second half, but I kind of felt like I needed to balance it out somewhat just because of the first part of it, not that it was badly made or anything. It just really was grating for me. So that being said, uh, it is 7.5. I absolutely say stream it. It, it. For me, I would buy it as long as it was loaded with extras, behind the scenes, director's commentary, whatever. Any of that kind of stuff would be worth it to me as well. For me, I take off points kind of for the zombie stuff, to be honest. Like the my least favorite parts are when they're kind of going around the petting zoo on the tractor. And that, that was kind of where I thought it was weakest were um, those kind of zombie moments. But as you guys have said, once it gets to the gift shop, it's a good time. Mm-hmm. And and all I will say is mini Lord Vader. Oh, that was incredible. <laughs> it is. Honestly, I had the biggest dumb grin on my face. <laughs> that yeah, whole that was sequence. Cool. Oh, it was so wonderful. So good. Yeah. Dave. Sure. I'm going to give it a nine out wow. of 10. And I say it's, it's definitely one you should check out. I mean, it's, it's available online right now. And I think it's one that um, you need to see. Absolutely. All right. So that wraps up our feature review of Little Monsters. And now, so we are going to move into our Shudder-sponsored Screaming Online segment with One Cut of the Dead. Welcome to our Shutter sponsored Screaming Online segment. I want to tell you a little bit about Shutter. AMC Network Shutter is a premium streaming service. Shutter has the largest, fastest growing, human curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. That's why we call it the Netflix for horror. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense films for just $5.99 a month or $56.99 per year on your Apple devices, Android devices, Xbox. Amazon Fire, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. You have unlimited access to stream ad-free 
and there's some excellent content available on Shudder right now. The Creep Show original series, I think, is just fantastic. On our last episode, Joel talked about Joe Hill's Nosferatu, which sounds great. It's one I want to check out. One film that I absolutely want people to see before they make their year-end lists is Tigers Are Not Afraid. And of course, one film that I'm extremely excited about that is a Shutter exclusive is the film we are going to talk about tonight, and that is One Cut of the Dead. One Cut of the Dead is a film that was just released here. It was listed online as a 2017 film, and there were a lot of weird things that happened with its release. It was like a pirated version. It was on Amazon Prime for a little while. So a bunch of people saw it that way, but the content creators weren't getting paid for it. Anyway, finally, Shudder gave us the high-quality original version properly licensed for the United States. So super excited to get that. From the IMDb description, things go badly for a hack director and film crew shooting a low-budget zombie movie in an abandoned World War II Japanese facility when they are attacked by real zombies. Kind of. <laughs> That's kind of what this is about. And that, yeah, I should say the film has kind of almost two separate movies in it. There's you say the three. First, Couldn't you say three separate movies? I guess you could, but it has that kind of film within a film within a film thing happening yes. here, which is awesome. Uh, you know, as a fan of the cinema, I would say as a zombie fan or a horror fan, it's a little bit underwhelming because it starts out with the most explicit horror. Sure. And usually like a, a zombie comedy, like the ones we've talked about, kind of start as more comedies and then they evolve into post-apocalyptic horror films. This is kind of almost the reverse of that. But I have to just say this is the most stunningly original film I've seen in a long time. It got me so amped when the switch happens halfway through and it kind of switches into its second gear. I just thought, oh, mm-hmm. Oh, I love this uh-huh. because I was getting a little bit tired of what had come before. I was excited. I, I was enthusiastic that it existed. It was kind of like, this is cool. I love how raw this is. You know, it was shot seemingly in one take and they do some things where like blood splatters on the camera and the cameraman takes a rag and wipes the blood off the camera. They just, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, they just don't care. They know it's a movie. They're not hiding that it's a movie, but this is just high octane zombie action carnage and they're just going for it and it's you know and i was pretty impressed by about the 20 minute mark i was just like wow they're doing something really exciting here by kind of like the 35 minute mark i was going all right like it's still cool but i don't know if i want to watch this for another like hour and a half i'm getting a little (laughs) it's just not it's a lot of just running and screaming Mm -hmm. you know there's some funny moments my favorite parts featured the director oh my god in the first like 40 minutes of the film my favorite thing that was happening was the filmmaking that was going on and so as as i said it's kind of it's a film within a film within a film so it starts out with a film crew shooting a zombie movie when suddenly there's some kind of zombie outbreak that happens on their actual set and they've talked about the location having some kind of haunted history and so we don't know exactly what's happening but we do know crew members are turning into zombies and attacking the actual cast, which it seems the director was in on and he wanted 
to garner actual realism on, on a film. So in that way, it really reminded me of Shadow of the Vampire. I thought, oh, this is fun. Like, there's this element where the wild director is okay with the fact that crew members are dying so long as he captures it on film. And for that first, like, 35 minutes, my favorite <laughs> moments were so wild where he would see this actual zombie chasing an, an actress and the director would come blasting out of like a doorway or something be like action <laughs> oh my god that was the best that was the best thing ever oh. i was laughing so hard i could not believe it but as we've said as it went on it started to it was not the kind of thing that for me would sustain an hour and a half. So I was very pleasantly surprised when it shifted gears and I don't want to say exactly what happened at this point, but I will just say it was interesting because it appears to be a much lower budget kind of shoestring gorilla film than it actually ends up becoming because that first film that that director is making is shot at certain way and then when the film shifts suddenly the production values take this huge step up and i thought oh that is fascinating too i just think they accomplished a lot of really interesting things in the way that they put this film together it also just shows in a way that few other films have for a long time like this is something like you would have seen in the 90s early 2000s and maybe not bad at an eye out there were a lot of movies about movies in that era Mm-hmm. that showed you know living in oblivion that kind of show indie filmmakers at work this does it in a way that i thought was truly fresh and exciting and just gave me the type of enthusiasm about guerrilla filmmaking that i haven't had for a very long time absolutely and, and one other comment to be made going into this completely not having a clue as to what was going to happen. I had the exact same reaction as you. And around that 30 minute mark, I thought to myself, oh my God, this whole movie is like this. This is going to be a painful hour and a half. And the fact (laughs) that it makes the shift that it does, because the problem is it's almost like you can't even talk about the structure of this movie without giving away key elements of this movie. Am I wrong? I mean, I guess the question is, is how much we want to preserve that experience for the audience. I agree that if you're surprised, it will be more fun. If you are listening to this and you have not seen One Cut of the Dead, seriously, pause, go to Shutter ASAP, watch this, <laughs> because I, to me, the pleasure was not having a flipping clue as to what was happening. And I think that if you can go into it that way, going into it as just clueless as possible is going to make it that much better. Now, that being said, come back and immediately hit play and then we'll continue this conversation. Go ahead, Josh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to spoil anything. I wasn't even going to go in that direction at all. Okay, but we can okay. we can talk. But I, I feel like I, you I have to, know. to some degree, you're going to have to say a couple things about some shifts and things that happened. I mean- it almost has this Tarantino-esque structure in a sense because it's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, just, it's not playing in a way that you would expect as far as the progression of the story, but there's still these beautiful payoffs that happen later on that when you think back to what you saw early on, the way it, it all builds up to those moments, oh, it was really, really, really well written and put together. I mean, I was really impressed with this movie. Yeah. And when the shift happens, the film I actually thought of was cannibal Holocaust. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of reminds me of kind of being in 
in the sh- <laughs> in this scenario and then all of a sudden just like completely switching gears being in a city and kind of a controlled environment and that's kind of what i thought of what about you dave i don't have much more to add i think you guys said it all perfectly i was feeling the exact same way as the both of you as the first part of the movie was playing out i even hit like display to see the time and i'm like whoa they've got a long way to go <laughs> with what's happening with the way things have evolved to this point they've got a long way to go how are they going to do this <laughs> but then once you realize what's going on i think the parts that i loved and again i don't want to go too deep into this was how the second part made you look at the first part and say boy i didn't even realize mm-hmm. as a viewer you're not picking up on all this other stuff Mm-mm. And it's so cool to see how they brought that all together. Yeah. It mm-hmm. really is just so damn clever and brilliant in a way because you start to remember, oh, yeah, I was wondering why, you know, I, like like Josh was saying, I was wondering why he came running out of a door. Um, <laughs> and it, yes, <laughs> and it, it, it answers all of that. In such a unique and refreshing way, um, you yeah. know, for a movie, I, I really, I was just, I was all smiles that second half. Yeah. I really was. Cause I yeah. thought, wow, this is, this is something, this is really awesome. You know what it is? It was insanely clever without feeling gimmicky. It, right. it, it never felt like it was a gimmick and it was just, oh, oh, that's clever. But, but it is, it's really clever. And yeah. I, I, I might be reaching with this analogy, but it reminds me of a movie like Sixth Sense. But whereas with Sixth Sense, you go back a second time to see all the stuff you missed, you get that all in one fail swoop with this movie. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's what it's absolutely. like. That's what it's like. Yep, yep. The moment for me that I checked the timer was when a certain character comes out and goes, oh, an ax, how lucky. And I'm like, what? what is happening right now? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> like, this is, this, they're not even trying at this point. Oh, it was <laughs> so great. It really was. That's so funny. I think I checked the timer right before that, inside that shed. I was like, what? <laughs> I was intrigued. I'm like, this is cool, but like, how long can they sustain you this? Know, you know, when, when that happened in the shed and then what happens later on, I'm like, I can't wait to see what, that was Mm -hmm. and when you see it i laughed i mean i thought i was like oh that's awesome yes (laughs) and it's exacerbated by kind of a it's not ticking clock but the live element i don't know how to say that without yeah yeah you're right you're right there is a ticking clock element you're absolutely right it is if that didn't exist a lot of the complications of the film wouldn't exist but that was really ingenious the way that they presented that a lot of things were i i think um the director is probably my favorite performance in the movie. He was fantastic. Is, is the director. <laughs> he was great. And it's not just the first half where I thought, wow, that that's such an interesting character for a lot of what Josh was saying, like, like John Malkovich in Shadow of the Vampire. But then where it is in the second half and the evolution, mm-hmm. getting to that point, I was like, man, that is just so cool. Yeah. I think for me, I'm such a fan of zombie comedies, but you know, as I've said already, Shaun of the Dead to me is almost seems untouchable in the genre. And I think I'm always looking for what is the next Shaun of the Dead? What's the next zombie land? 
can anything ever reach those heights again? This is completely different than either of those films. It's hard to even compare it to those movies in any way. But I think this is a film that reaches those heights of originality, feels as fresh as those movies did when they came out. And it's just like, whoa, like this is a home run. Yeah, you know, this mm-hmm. is uh, batting on all cylinders. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with all the statements. I will play devil's advocate for one second and just say that for the viewer that expects their zombie film, whether comedy or otherwise, to stay squarely in the land of fantasy and horror. I think those folks might be uh, feel a, a little down at the end. You know what I mean? And I think that would be the only, and it's not a knock for me. I mean, the way this whole movie played out was right. brilliant as far as I'm concerned, but I could see somebody that goes into this with a certain expectation and it's not, it won't be met is what I, it, it's well, not a shot of the day is a lot of most zombie comedies kind of start with the comedy and turn into zombie. And I, this is the opposite of that. Yes. Right. Right. But even then, yeah. it is still a very clever, well-written, well-acted, really funny, super original take on a genre that, you know, to the point, you know, you made earlier, if it had just been another one of those, it would have been, ah, it would have been kind of meh. But the fact that it goes in the directions it goes is what makes it so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right. So you guys want to throw some ratings and uh, recommendations? Josh, what do you got? Man, what to rate this movie? Um, I think I'm just going to give it a 10. Oh, that is makes that, me so happy. Is that a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. You're allowed to do it. <laughs> if you like a movie that much, Josh, by gum, you can do it. I mean, I kind of usually try to look at them objectively. I think, again, you start watching the film and you're like, oh, the production values are kind of low. It's all explained why that's the case. And it's not the case for the entire film. And all of a sudden... And there's a big boost in production values and everything that you might subtract points for in those first 40 minutes, not only are those redeemed, but you kind of want to add extra points for in the second half of the film. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think in terms of what it's trying to accomplish, not only is it trying to accomplish something nobody's really tried to accomplish before, but it's executing at the highest level. So yeah, that's a, I think that's a 10 for me. I'm, a big fan of movies about movies. It's like actually one of my favorite types of uh, genres or subgenres. And I think this is again, a very unique take on the film within a film. You know, some of my favorites being Ed Wood, State in Maine, you know, Life Aquatic, The Shadow of the Vampire, which we've mentioned. I think you can go into films that are, more um indie film based like in the soup is one that i think of or i think i already mentioned um living in oblivion you haven't mentioned my favorite one oh uh, and what was it the, god spoke yeah the making of and god spoke that movie right. is amazing <laughs> yeah disaster artist the player i yes, mean yes those are great all these for me these are just some of my favorite postcards from the edge there's so many fun movies that feature film production within. In fact, I have a list on Letterboxd. Maybe I'll link to if people are interested in that. I, I ranked kind of every movie about movies that I could find. And let's see how many I found. 206 counting this one. So um, people can check that out, I guess, if they're interested. But this is, yeah, just an exciting example of a film within a film. 
the movie about movies. It's an exciting example of zombie comedy. Totally fresh take on both. And I would say absolutely stream this on Shudder. If I ever get the opportunity to buy it, I am going to buy it. This is worth subscribing to Shudder for, in my opinion. Yes. What do you think, Dave? I can't add much to that. I mean, I love movies about movies as well. Uh, That's one of my favorites also. Um, extends into documentaries. Um, I do love movies that uh, that deal with uh, filmmaking process, especially when it's sort of a down and dirty. And you get that in this movie. But just in such a way that you're not expecting and that I don't know that I've seen before. I've never seen this before. And, and I love that. I love it when a movie just surprises you. And it really makes me want to tell people to go out and say it and just say, trust me, because I can't really tell you anything about it. Just trust me and go out and see it. Um, with Little Monsters at a 9, I'd have to give this a 9.5. And it's a stream, and it is a buy. I mean, I'm hoping that this eventually... Shudder does uh, sometimes... You know, some of their movies do make their way to the home market, and I hope uh, I hope this one does, because this is a definite buy for me. Yeah, I just saw the Gwen... And ruin me DVDs at the store today. Yeah, and I'm ho- I'm hoping that um, that this one uh, goes that way as well, and and we eventually get it because I would love to to buy it. But even without that, it's definitely worth streaming. And I think you have to almost stream it right away. I mean, see this one as soon as you can before anybody does spoil it for you. And for me, it is a rock solid nine. Since I gave uh, Little Monsters a seven point five, I'm coming in at a nine on this one. I absolutely loved it. It is hilarious. It is surprising. It is very, actually, there's a, there's a moment near the end that is really, really sweet. And uh, it's, yeah, it's a, just a great, great movie. Absolutely stream it. If you don't have Shutter, this is a excellent, not that you need a reason, but this is an excellent reason to get it ASAP just because uh, you need to watch this movie. And uh, everything you guys said, I mean, they, if they release it on blu-ray i would be happy to pick this one up i'm planning on showing this one to my wife i think she will really appreciate it i'm not and i haven't told her anything about it so i know she'll be really annoyed with me about 20 minutes into this (laughs) she's gonna be like really i'm sitting through one of these (laughs) this is what you're making me watch i'm like just just wait just wait (laughs) hang in there hang in there trust me so uh but it's absolutely worth it so yeah i i would say this is a high high recommendation from all of us and to try Shutter free for 30 days, go to Shutter.com and use promo code HMP. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and promo code HMP. All right, so that wraps up our Shutter-sponsored Screaming Online segment with One Cut of the Dead. And now our feature review of The Dead Don't Die from 2019. In this peaceful town, on these quiet streets, something terrifying, something horrifying is coming. Excuse me, we're closed. Get away from me! What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. You look gorgeous. Oh my. 
flesh-eating zombies. Don't joke. It's really, really creepy. Oh, man. This isn't going to end well. They gravitate towards things they did when they were alive. Call Chardonnay. Did she just say Chardonnay? Yeah, she did. Welcome to my world, zombies. I've been telling you this is all going to end badly. Well, that's unfortunate. I'm quite confident of my ability to defend myself against the undead. I can see that. Excuse me. Those are some pretty good cuts. You played some minor league ball, didn't you? Well, oh, a little class A. It was a long time ago. All right, so The Dead Don't Die from 2019 is a movie written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. The basic IMDb synopsis is... The peaceful town of Centerville finds itself battling a zombie horde as the dead start rising from their graves, which is accurate as long as you add the following addendum that it's a Jim Jarmusch film, which means it's a lot of wacky characters played by insanely famous people uh, talking philosophy and whatnot. So, <laughs> <laughs> so in uh, deadpan in, in total deadpan humor. humor. Yeah. Yes. It, it's yeah. almost like napoleon dynamite level deadpan and and i feel like it's either going to work for somebody or it's not and in fact i gotta be honest with you i actually enjoy humor like this i mean napoleon dynamite i absolutely love but i could see this being a movie that would not be for everybody there's not what all of his films are like but there are a few that are like this you know and it's probably like a third of his filmography has this kind of satirical take on the thing that he's talking about yeah Dead Man is kind of like this, the Johnny Depp Western. Yeah. For me personally, I mean, I love Bill Murray. Put him in anything, including Garfield movies, and I love the guy. Adam Driver, though, I loved him in this. Yeah. He (laughs) was fantastic. I love him as Kylo Ren, but he is just a great actor in general. But his the way his character is in this and his delivery, it almost is a bit of a Napoleon Dynamite sort of... It's observation without being pulled into the moment. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. He's the deputy to the chief of police, which is played by Bill Murray. And, you know, they're just two small town cops and they're going around and observing things. And as the stuff hits the fan, Bill Murray's really trying to stay out of it as much as possible. Uh, Chief Robertson and his sidekick there is just sort of along for the ride. But I love there's a couple of moments, especially in the squad car, where he, you know, he'll say things like, you know, this is going to end badly. He's like, why? Why do you keep saying that? He goes, because I've read the script. Right. <laughs> it's not like those movies where then they reveal that, oh, this was obviously a movie, the whole thing. This I'm not giving anything away with that because it's not what this movie is. It's just it's not. It's not just at all. weirdly self-aware. <laughs> What's the song again? Oh, it's the theme song. Yeah, it's the theme song. Yeah, the dead don't die. Which, which I promptly bought within ten minutes of the movie. I wanted, to, I wanted to buy. I haven't bought it yet, but I'm going to. Was that originally made for this movie, or was that a song that existed that they just? I think it was made for this movie because I, I know the singer appears briefly in the movie. Okay, okay. 
Because it had this, such a classic Western sound. I'm thinking, is there really a, like a country Western song that existed called The Dead Don't yeah. Die? I felt like there could be. I, th- I felt like that actually could be a song that existed. So, and yeah. I will say the kills that happen the, the, when you do see them, I mean, they are suitably gruesome. I mean, I got to get, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't shy away from, from the gore and whatnot. So uh, that was uh, a pleasant surprise. And actually, I will say that the zombies in it, I thought were really, like, the makeup was great. I mean, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when Iggy Pop, no offense to Mr. Pop, but, you know, he already was going down the Keith Richards road of, you know, looking somewhat undead anyway, but <laughs> the makeup made it tremendous. They're creepy looking. I mean, they are, the undead in this are very unsettling and they're the classic shambling uh, zombies, but they're obviously, I mean, to say it's a satire and they are a visual metaphor for just us is it's very on the nose. I mean, if you think Dawn of the Dead, the Ramiro version is on the nose with its uh, satire on, on consumption and whatnot. This is very, very, very much, I think, like that as well. But, you know, there's interesting cameos by people I wasn't expecting and things that happened to them that I wasn't expecting in ways I certainly wasn't expecting. Um, not only were obviously Bill Murray and Adam Driver fantastic, but I think uh, Chloe Savini, her character and just sort of her reactions to things uh, were mm-hmm. fun. Uh, but I will say the other person I do want to uh, just give a nod to because his red keep America white again. <laughs> oh, yes. That was Steve yes. Buscemi. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. It, it was Farmer Frank Miller, which I, I have a feeling that we had Farmer Frank Miller and Chief Cliff Robertson. I mean, I suppose it could be a coincidence <laughs> that, you know, they're named after two famous people, but possibly right. not. Um, probably, probably not. And I, I think it, what's hilarious about him wearing that hat is he was sitting next to Danny Glover. Oh, yeah. And then and then the coffee comment. Oh, right. yeah. I, I don't like yes. it black. And he looks over at Danny Glover and goes, oh, I do. You know, I don't mean that. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so horrible. My favorite Bill Murray deadpan line involved Farmer Miller. Oh yeah, that he just says at the beginning. It's just so sort of matter of fact, <laughs> you know. Yes, yes. So there, there's a lot of that in this movie, and there's a lot of Hermit Bob, played by Tom Waits, walking around and being the sort of the narrator observer of everything yes. the the mm-hmm. real philosopher uh he's sort of the spine of of the movie i guess yep. and uh he looks like 10 years younger than i've ever seen him before i don't know what it was yeah, about I, that didn't rec- I, but- I knew he was in this and i assumed that was him but yeah he didn't look right. the same to me he really yeah he looked no. different um, he usually looks way older than yeah than the- i didn't pick up it was him until um probably the, like after that opening scene uh, with him, it was yes. the next time we saw him. I was like, "Oh, wait, that's Tom Waits." Yeah. So it was. I mean, it was a fun movie for me. My wife watched it with me. <laughs> this is the one that I got her to watch, of course. And she told me the next day, I was like, "So, you know, what did you think?" Because she had, you know, before the thing was over, she had started to doze off. She was. Oh, it was great. I was. It was really easy to fall asleep. That's her thing. She likes to watch stuff that helps. Her. <laughs> it's like I'm assuming that's a backhanded comment. You know, like, it was fine. It was, it was, it was great. I, you know, I fell asleep and yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, we'll go with that. At least you didn't hate it. So, uh, yeah, and I said maybe that's what we need to do is start, you know, going through Jim Jarmusch's uh, filmography, and that way she can fall asleep easier. There are probably there are probably some yes. that that would work. Like, and, and and I like this movie, but Stranger Than Paradise. That might uh, that might do it. That might do it, and that might do it. <laughs> and speaking of Stranger uh, Than Paradise, uh, Tilda Swinton's character in this was very. Oh yeah, it was like if Michonne had been an elf from Lord <laughs> of the Rings. <laughs> 
and 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 was will, was wanting to phone home is all I'll say. And mm-hmm. if, if that was the character, that would be Tilda Swinton in this movie. Right. Right. So yeah, it was a uh, it was it was weird. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 was, it was it was weird. But you know something, I did. I kind of, I really loved it in a way I, I did. I was so into it with, and there are some things in there and you mentioned uh dead man, uh, uh yeah. Josh and that droning music that would play like when you see a car driving or they're just sort of, you know, doing just a random, almost like a pickup shot. You got that in dead man. That was Neil Young doing it in dead man. I don't believe he was doing it in dead. Don't die. I was watching that and I kind of got that because I love Dead Man. I absolutely love Dead Man. It's one of my favorite uh, Jarmusch films, I think, with Mystery Train. They're probably my two favorites. Mystery Train's my favorite, actually. Yeah, I love I love Mystery Train because it's like uh, it, it has a scene where Elvis doesn't recognize Nashville. I thought that was awesome. Um, <laughs> I really like his more modern films. I thought Broken Flowers. Oh, Broken Flowers. Yeah, absolutely. And Only absolutely. Lovers Left Alive, I thought was brilliant. And I was expecting... You know, because Only Lovers Left Alive is a very serious take on vampires. There's a little bit of absurdity there, too. But for the most part, it's like a really dour exploration of what eternity would look like for a vampire in, in these character situation. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if this was going to be like that. And it it was almost like 180 degrees in the opposite direction. Right. But I actually really liked the direction. I wanted to see, and there wasn't a character that I wasn't interested in. I thought it was kind of interesting how, you know, everybody's dealing with the zombies in their own way. I thought it was interesting how they set up Farmer Miller early, the type of guy he is, that he starts shooting before he even knows they're zombies. (laughs) He's thinking it's somebody (laughs) trespassing. (laughs) Right. And he's blowing them away. Uh, and I love that. And even get Selena Gomez turning up in this. A lot of, a lot of stars. I was watching the opening credits and at name after name after name after name. It's all these people that I recognize. Carol Kane, who yes. has you know a, a very small role in the movie, but very memorable. What, 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 what did she say? Did she say she was a Chardonnay or Chardonnay? Yeah. yeah. Chardonnay. Each, 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 each zombie has one word <laughs> yes. that they repeat. Coffee. Uh, right. Coffee. They were uh, zombily obsessed with in their life. Yes. Right. Exactly. exactly. Larry Fessenden is in this. Caleb yeah. Landry Jones is really good in this. The kind of Frodo. They yeah. call him. Yeah. Like a, right. Um, Rosie Perez has a, has a, it's a, small mm-hmm. part but she's in it yeah and along with selena gomez for the young kids in the audience they're gonna like austin butler's in this so he's kind of selena gomez's cohort yeah this was a big cast and like i said i liked every character there wasn't a character that they broke away to i was like oh kind of get back to this one you know and there were a lot of characters in this going off in in different directions and each time it broke to one of them, I was like, oh, cool. We're back to this one. And then, oh, good. Now we're back to this one. You know, I think I was most excited still about Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I was interested in all of them. But yeah. Right. All right. So you guys want to do some rating and uh, recommendation for the dead don't die? Yeah. I'm ready. I'll go. I'll go first. And I hope my rating doesn't surprise anyone because uh, I actually did enjoy it. Uh, but I am going to give it a 6.5 because I don't know that I would ever watch it again. I think the, the rewatchability for me, and this might be just a 
preference thing. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I liked it. I did. I liked it more than I honestly thought I would. I didn't find it nearly as funny as say I found Napoleon Dynamite and it didn't have anything in it that I could see myself. Oh yeah. I really would love to see that moment again or, you know, revisit those characters again. I mean, it was nothing. It didn't hit me that way. So, but 6.5 is nothing to sneeze at. And I would say, uh, you know, Rent it if you don't mind paying a few bucks for it. Uh, my guess is eventually it'll be available on Prime or whatnot. Maybe Shutter will pick it up or or what have you. Who knows? But uh, yeah, The Dead Don't Die, I would give a 6.5 to. Go ahead, Josh. All right. I would give this one probably a 7.5. I really enjoyed it. I'm opposite of you in the fact that I like to revisit Jarmusch's films. I actually tend to like them more on the second viewing because because you're used to watching regular movies when I do watch them the first time, I'm usually like waiting for something to happen. And oftentimes things don't really happen. Uh, And so you're kind of like that first experience is often a little bit frustrating, kind of like waiting for the plot points to kick in. But this is a film. I just can't stop thinking about it afterward. I love the vibe of it. Quentin Tarantino's talked about how he likes to make hangout movies, movies that you kind of just want to hang out in the world with the characters and Jarmusch's films have an element of that like mystery train is a film where not a lot happens and it doesn't necessarily seem like the kind of world you'd want to live in objectively but it for some reason it is and same with dead man they're both movies that i just kind of like to inhabit those worlds and experience it again and that's kind of how this film was for me too like a when i turned it off i was still thinking about them driving to the countryside listening to that music and just kind of appealing i think i would buy this my recommendation is going to be to rent it. And I will give a rental warning because I don't think general audiences are going to appreciate this. I think a lot of people will watch this and be like, that was boring. That sucked. It's very on the nose in terms of the writing. You have to really understand what they're doing and what they're attempting to do to appreciate it. I don't think it's just like any random comedy where people can just walk in and watch it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it, it yes. takes an understanding of the form to fully appreciate yeah. what it is yeah so i would i don't think this is for everyone but if you like deadpan humor if you like this approach to comedy if you're a jarmish fan i would call it a high priority rental dave i will definitely agree with josh i don't think this is for everybody i th- i could see some people saying that exact thing they watch you go well that sucked or i that nothing happened in that one i would understand it this is the perfect type of movie for me though i'm going 9.5 wow I'm going to still say a rental only because like Josh was saying, there's, there's, it's very deliberate as an example. There's a scene where a discovery is made in a diner and three different people check it out yes. and you see the same thing all three times, but that's deliberate. You know that that is Jarmusch. That is just him doing what he's doing, you know? And I love that. And I loved the dialogue. As soon as we're done here, I could go out and watch this again right now. And then I could probably watch it again tomorrow. That's how much I love this movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if this makes an appearance again at the end of the year for me. Wow. Cool. It's exciting. Yeah. I wasn't sure how I was going to react because I like Jim Jarmusch's films, but so I don't like all of them at the same level. It just, it absolutely gave me everything I was hoping that it would. So I loved it. And then a little more because the Tilda Swinton character would, would be one I wouldn't have anticipated. I absolutely love that. Well, I would say that was probably my least favorite part of the movie was the Tilda Swinton thing. That was just kind of the stuff where I was like, 
this is a bit much. Like, well, I liked, <laughs> I liked when she was down in her, where she was dealing with um, the corpses. Yes. Yeah. That was great. That was a great scene and how she reacted and how, and, and just her final line of, you know, how, how what it meant to her, what she just witnessed. Yeah. I, I think I, I, I'm a big Wes Anderson fan, so I really react well to just the everyday little nuanced lines like when Adam Driver's standing there at the motel with Larry Festington and Bill Murray, and he's like, I love Mexicans. They're my favorite people. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing to say. Yes. And then, yeah. you know, they're yes. just yes. things like that that I just think are so funny. Yeah. 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 All right. That wraps up our feature review of The Dead Don't Die. And now on to our mini review of Anna and the Apocalypse. Hey guys. Have a good morning. Sure, it'll be the same as always. Can you hear me? I'm a first aider. New morning. Feels different than before. There's zombies. Not zombies. <gasps> Right, because that's perfectly normal. Hey, zombies, right? I know. We are not opening the doors. My little girl's out there. I'm getting my dad, all right? How are we going to get past all the zombies? I just had the best idea ever. This is the stupidest idea ever. All right, losers. The streets are chaos and the outlook is dire. What do I do? Like the movies! Destroy the brain! We go through here, we might make it to the school before sundown. Plus, it'll be fun. Yeah, certain death is so much fun. <gasps> this isn't fun anymore. Hashtag evac selfie. Well, we all deserve to go extinct. And in the apocalypse, uh, I'm on IMDb for the synopsis. A zombie apocalypse threatens the sleepy town of Little Haven during Christmas time, forcing Anna and her friends to fight, slash, and sing their way to survival, facing the undead in a desperate race to reach their loved ones. But they soon discover that no one is safe in the new world, and with civilization falling apart around them, the only people they can truly rely on are each other. I guess that works. You know what? It's funny because you look at how what this movie is on IMDb. It's got four genres. It says comedy, fantasy, horror, musical. And for me, this worked on all four of those levels. Awesome. I mean, r- really well. I loved the music. You know, when they would break out in song at the beginning, it almost felt like, and I think it's better than this, but it's it's almost like that that sort of glee atmosphere. You know, I mean, my wife loved that show, but this is better than that because I think yeah. the characters, I think, are what really sort of drive this. It's set in, in a school and you don't get the, the typical sort of characters where they're either the the nerds or the real popular. They, these, they, they just sort of exist between 
it wasn't that kind of movie. It was everyone was sort of on the same level. And I loved that portion of it. And I loved, I really did love the music. I thought the music was great. It was well-written. It was well-performed. During one song, Anna's sort of walking to school and you even get a little bit of a Shaun of the Dead moment in the background going on. Uh, right. She's singing this happy song heading to school. That was a I, really cool scene. That's what it my really was. In the movie. It really was. It was awesome. And I absolutely loved Ella Hunt in the lead role. I thought she was tremendous. She's really uh, strong. And with, with everything that she needed to do, it worked on the horror because once the zombies, and as a matter of fact, that what punctuates that scene with, with the song is a pretty gory moment. I mean, this movie didn't chintz on that. I mean, it was, it, it brought the blood and it brought the, the violence and the gore when it needed to, Yeah, which I thought was great. And it was funny. I was, I was laughing at, at moments of this and you get, uh, the, what is it? The assistant headmaster of yeah. the school, who's probably like the, the, the mustache twirling villain, uh, throughout the movie, mm. uh, which I really like. You could argue, I don't know if he's over the top, but I don't know. He sort of fit into this world. I thought, Yeah, but it was entertaining from start to finish. It really was. And it's not even with the music and you get into the music. This is not going to be because of the nature of the film and what they're experiencing. You're not going to walk out of there singing. You know, it's not one that's going to be a feel good sort of musical. It's not that kind of musical. This is not singing in the rain or, you know, the music man or something like that. This is still a zombie movie. And it, it approaches the material in that way. And the music just sort of fits in where it fits in brilliantly. I kind of left singing with that I Will Believe song. I thought it was kind of heart-wrenching, kind of a ballad. Oh, yeah, you know? it, it, it was. But, I mean, it's not the type of movie where you're going to be walking out with a smile like you would if you're thinking right. a musical. When you're thinking a musical, you're thinking something that's going to lift your spirits. Right. It's still a zombie movie. It's it's still a zombie movie, and it approaches it the way that a lot of zombie movies approach the material, where it's dark. And I really I really like that about it. Where yes, there are songs that you like, and there are songs that might stick in your head, but it's not you're going you're not going to be like skipping away singing these songs all happy, because the movie just it stays dark. Even the more upbeat songs, they kind of have a dour message, yes. you know, like yes. the. The Hollywood ending was the one that was the big radio hit. I think that was the kind of breakout song for the soundtrack. Right. Mm -hmm. And the whole point of that is just like, things don't work out as like they do in movies. <laughs> right. Know? Right. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Very true. And, but it was still an awesome song. I yeah. loved it. I thought it was great. And the way that they, the way that they fit the music in worked, they didn't shoehorn any of the music in it all just sort of organically flowed with the story. I, I loved it. My two kind of complaints, and you know, one of them is something the filmmakers probably couldn't control at all, which was I just wish there was snow on the ground for it since it's a Christmas film. Mm. You know, it was just a little more weather. I would have preferred that. And then the second one was those the music, if it was a little more Christmassy, you know, because it, it is just kind of straight show tune kind of music. Yeah. I liked a lot of the songs. I thought they were mostly good. I I think I would have preferred them even more if they had a Christmassy vibe, but I could throw this on my Christmas playlist. You know, that would make me happy. But. Now, the one performed at the show, I guess, wouldn't be 
sort of Christmassy enough for yeah. you. I got, and, and it wasn't. I agree. I don't think it was very Chris. It was a very Christmassy song either. But my favorite moments are like when she's walking to school and the finale and those kind of moments, you know. And I, they're they're cool songs, but they're um, they're just you know they're just regular songs. And, and even with the characters, there's one who you sort of you dislike this guy. You don't like him. But they bring him around, I guess, which I thought was pretty interesting because you always try to figure out who's going to be left with who and who's go- who's going to be standing at the end. I don't know that I would have predicted that portion of of where the movie went, you know? Right. I really liked the character of John played by Malcolm Cumming. I thought he was good. I really mm-hmm. liked the character of Chris. I thought he was fun. Was it Nick that was the guy you're talking about? That was kind of a jerk. Yeah. Played by Ben Wiggins. So. Yeah. 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 Kind of a jerk. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was. Uh for for most of the movie. Yeah. For most of the movie. But yeah, he's he's got some interesting stuff going on. Same with Steph, the the American character, um mm-hmm. played by Sarah Swire. She was she was good and interesting. So that really I, that she was a great character. I thought that was an awesome addition uh to this group of friends. And you're right, she's an American, but very strong i mean she could she's probably one of the strongest you know you're kind of happy she's there as as things are breaking down i'm a big fan of it i mean uh, i know you had reviewed this uh, previously i'm going to commend it a nine and i think this is a buy it is now out on dvd it took a while for this one to come out i mean i think it just came out maybe within the last month and a half mm-hmm. and i picked it up and i'm glad i did because this could be uh, a Christmas, you could watch this at, at Christmas. I, I agree with you that I don't think it's very Christmassy, like uh, you know, better watch out or something like that. But I could still see watching this at Christmas time. Yeah, I give it a pretty high Christmassy rating because it's filled with candy canes and one character's wearing a Christmas sweater the whole way through, and they have a Christmas play going on at school, and they run through the Christmas tree warehouse, and so there's Christmassy elements throughout, which I, you know, for me uh, helps. I, if it just snowed, I just, that's why, you know, it would just make it so much more magical to me, but, um, you know, you can do what you can do on a limited budget, but I, I really like this one too. Dan, did you see this on Blu-ray or DVD? Cause I just saw the DVD in stores today. Actually, I didn't buy it cause I was going to check to see if there was a Blu-ray before I bought the DVD. There is not that I, I have the DVD because that's all that it was released at. And it, I think on Amazon, it was only like, uh, $10. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I gave this one at the time. I gave it eight and I said, see it in the theater and buy it. Uh, when I reviewed this last year in our Christmas episode, episode 164, and I could stick with that. I could go up to an 8.5, but yeah, I, I, would, I think it's worth buying. It, it, I love having Christmas horror movies uh, on hand that I can kind of pull out every year and right. uh, enjoy in the holiday season. And this is both a good zombie movie and a decent Christmas movie. And, you know, if you like musicals, you're going to love it. If you don't like musicals, I don't know that this is going to win you over. I guess that would be my only caveat. I, I can see that, but I don't think the music didn't get in the way of the zombie story for me. I, I thought that. No, I agree. I thought that that still worked really well. And the music was more, I'm not going to say incidental because I really liked how they sort of tied it in and how they, how they uh, approached it. But I, I, yeah, I don't think you're gonna. This is gonna turn you on to musicals, but I don't think it's gonna turn you off of this movie completely. I yeah, really. It's not don't. like something like Stage Fright uh, that's music wall to wall where there's no actual dialogue. There. Right. Right. 
Any questions, Joel? Um, no, sir. I do not have any, but I really want to see this movie now. <laughs> okay. What, what's your take on musicals? Are you? I, it, it depends. I am not a huge musical guy, like a, a, you know, chorus line stuff like that. But Little Shop of Horrors, I love. Uh, yeah, sure. I en- I enjoyed the Sweeney Todd movie. I've never seen the actual play, so I can't speak to that. <laughs> uh, I liked Grease. I grew up with Grease, but you know, Buffy's Once More with Feeling. I loved uh, when, when it's done like that. Actually, I liked the first season of Glee quite a bit, but I didn't watch it past that. And so. If you can watch Glee in that Buffy, then you'll like this. Okay. Yeah, I, I like it, but I like it when it's just, you know, a little off center. I, I don't I don't like your traditional musical as my that's not gonna be something I'm going to be, oh yay, there's a musical coming out. I yeah, it's not my thing. But I, I like them when they're when they're done a little bit uh uh transgressive and, and a little uh, Yeah. The, yeah. What this sounds like, actually. <laughs> what this sounds Absolutely. like is it sounds like Absolutely. my cup of tea. Yeah, I've heard good things, and you guys definitely sold me on it. So I, I and being that it's a Christmas movie, I'm going to try to catch it here. And you probably, I'm thinking like right after Thanksgiving. This would be a good one. Yeah, if you can get to this before our Christmas episode this year, I'd love to hear your post mortem review on okay. that. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I will make it a point to do that. All right. Well, that wraps up our mini review of Anna and the Apocalypse. And uh, that also wraps up this episode. So that is our Zomcom coverage in the can, as it were. So Wolfman, you want to tell the folks where they can find you online? Yeah, you can find me on social media at Icarus Arts. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, and Twitter at Icarus Arts. And you can check out monsterscast.libson.com if you want to hear some of our back episodes of Gods and Monsters, the Universal Monsters cast. And now that the Invisible Man has wrapped, I'm starting to get excited about jumping into that universe again and talking about some more Universal Monsters films. Excellent. Dave? As I had mentioned during our our top 10 episodes this past Halloween, uh, the past Halloween season, I guess it was in the 80s and the 90s episodes, that I had a glut of digital codes that I wanted to give away. And that's what I'm going to do right now. Actually, we're going to give away the four that were put aside for iTunes reviews. So what I'm going to do for each one, I'm going to pull a name out of the uh, the bag of mystery here. And I'm going to read off the iTunes uh, user ID, I guess is the best way. The only way we can really go with this. And then I'll give you a way to contact us once all four are Uh, have been distributed. Uh, The first one is the 40th anniversary remaster of Alien, 1979 classic film by Ridley Scott. So that'll be the first one. I will reach into the bag of mystery. Tuxedo Junk Show is the user. Okay, you win. uh, Congratulations, Tuxedo Junk Show. You're the winner of the uh, 40th anniversary of Alien. All right, let's try again. Now, this next one is the Three From Hell digital download. And back into the bag. Ritgarnk, you're the winner of the Three From Hell digital download. Congratulations. Next up, we have The Jinx. This is a six-hour documentary on uh, serial killer Robert Durst. Fred Dixon is the winner of the Jinx uh, digital code. Congratulations. 
And the last one is actually the biggest one. The first seven films in the Saw series. It's all one digital code. You will download the first seven Saw films. I think it's just Jigsaw that's missing. Um, the, the most recent one to come out. But all, all of the, the first seven are there. And it's all one code. And that's the big one. So here we go. Hey, it's Marco. And that is not an exclamation on my part. That is the name. If it's Hey, it's Marco is the iTunes ID. Uh, congratulations to you. You win the uh, seven movie Saw collection. I guess the best way to get in touch with us would be either email. And that would be horrormoviecast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on, uh, on Twitter at horrormoviecast. Again, all one word. Just reach out to us and uh, we'll get you your digital code. Congratulations to the four winners. And for this episode, for our zombie comedy episode, we have two other giveaways. And they are, they're pretty good. We have a Steelbook Blu-ray of Shaun of the Dead. And also a Blu-ray. These are both Region 1 Blu-rays, just just so everybody's aware. A Blu-ray of what I think is a very funny movie, Cockneys vs. Zombies. Came out a few years ago. It's very underrated. I'm a big fan of that film. So those two Blu-rays, we will be giving those away. So stop over to Twitter, at HorrorMovieCast, and check us out there. And over the course of, um, I guess, several days after the episodes come out, we will have a couple contests to, uh, to give these away as well. So, again, congratulations to the four winners. Get in touch with us, horrormoviecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at horrormoviecast. Thank you, everyone, um, for leaving the iTunes reviews. We had a, a good number of them. I mean, it was it was impressive, uh, more than I was expecting, and that's that's wonderful. Thank you so very much. It really does help us when you leave uh, uh, an iTunes review for us, um, and that's great. Thank you so very much. And um, you can find me, as always, at dvdinfatuation.com. Starting to post some new reviews over there now. Uh, also on Twitter, at dvdinfatuation. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, other podcasts, the We Deal in Lead podcast. I'm going to keep saying that one until it finally comes back, uh, which is a Westerns podcast. We have the Gods and Monsters, Universal Monsters cast. And yeah, with the Invisible Man coming out, I'm getting, I'm excited too to talk a little bit more about The Mummy. And then we have um, Land of the Creeps with Greg Amortis, Haddonfield Hatchet. Bill Van Vagel, and um, a slew of other guests uh, pop up from time to time. So check that out at landofthecreeps.blogspot.com. And just to let everyone know, all of these links are in the show notes at horrormoviepodcast.com. Yes, they are. And you can find me also at the Gods and Monsters podcast, along with The Bride. We have to mention that she joins us there as well. And uh, I can also be found on Retro Movie Geek, retromoviegeek.com, with my dear, dear friends, Daryl and Peter, where we stay focused, on task, delving deep into the analysis and just the, the history of cinema, where we never, ever go down a single rabbit trail. I'm lying. We're horrible. We're the exact opposite not, of that. Yeah, I was going to say, not one, not a single, not a single not rabbit a, trail. Not a single. I'm surprised I didn't get into a rabbit trail while saying all that. So the point being... <laughs> I feel like we're on one right now. <laughs> yeah, I actually, at that good point. It's... <laughs> <laughs> 
So check check it out for sure. And thanks again to John for meeting me up at Spooky Empire and uh, had a great time with him and my my buddies that went along with me as well and uh, got to meet some really super cool people. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So thanks again, man. Great to meet you there. And of course, don't forget that this episode brought to you by Shudder, the Netflix for horror. You can try Shudder free for 30 days. Just go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HMP when signing up. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com and the promo code HMP. We love reading and responding to your comments, so we hope you'll get involved in the Horror Movie Podcast community. You can leave a comment in the show notes for this episode at HorrorMoviePodcast.com where you can find this and all of our past episodes. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorMovieCast. If you'd like to support Horror Movie Podcast, and be sure to get your listener-designed HMP t-shirts at HorrorMoviePodcast.com forward slash store. You can also become a patron of Movie Podcast Network for only $2.50 a month. Be sure to check it out at Patreon.com forward slash Movie Podcast Network. We want to thank singer-songwriter Fred Ingram for the use of his music for the Horror Movie Podcast theme song. You can find more of Fred's music at frederickingram.com. We also want to thank composer Kagan Breitenbach for his arrangement and orchestration of Fred's original theme, which opens the show. You can find more of Kagan's work at kaganbreitenbach.com. And that's it for this episode. We hope you'll join us again for our next episode. Thank you for joining us for Horror Movie Podcast, where we're dead serious about horror movies. Oh, the dead don't die. Any more than you or I They're just ghosts inside dreams Of a life that we don't know They walk around us all the time Never paying any mind To the silly lives we lead Or the reaping we've all sown There's a cup Coffee waiting on every corner Someday we're gonna wake up And find the corners gone But the dead will still be walking around This whole world alone Cause after life is over The afterlife goes on I'm going to propose a third idea that's kind of somewhere in the middle of those two, which is, I totally blanked, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this this old age. It's uh-huh. really, it's really, it's Wel- really getting Welcome, Wolfman. Welcome. Thank yes. you. Um, right. <laughs> here it goes. The focus of this is Zomcom's zombie comedies that will be the focus so if you're listening please don't you know throw anything at, at your ipod or whatever or your ipod shuffle whatever you kids are using these days uh, and and be angry because we left out something to do with zombies <laughs> we are focusing on zomcoms for this episode 
I love the updated to iPod shuffle. That was- <laughs> you like that? You like that? I'm trying to keep it contemporary for the kiddos out there. Okay. That's yeah. right. You're Walkman or, you know, Discman, if that's what you're yes. using now. Yes. That's right. Your, new, yeah. your newfangled machine yes. is out there. Those MP3 <laughs> players by SanDisk. I hear they are all the rage. Right. Man, I, I found my mini disc player in our move and I just I cannot bear to throw it away. Yeah. But I'm like, man, how sad is it? We're getting, nostal- we're getting nostalgic for things like mini discs. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is something that came up a lot during our top 10 lists. You know, um, it's very awesome comments. My, my last favorite ones were the ones where people go, you guys are a bunch of idiots. Why didn't you say this? And it's like, yo. This is our top 10 list. Tell us what your top 10 Absolutely. list is. So. And, and by the way, we know we're idiots. So that's cool. <laughs> and, 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 and without without calling anybody out, nobody came out with like a surefire masterpiece that we missed. I mean, well, it, it's, I mean, there know, are co- in everyone's mind, you know, their favorite is the is the one. Sure. But that's I know. But it but it was not like they said, why didn't you guys mention The Shining? You know, it wasn't quite on on that level. I mean, good movies, good movies that were mentioned. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know that I would ever say, call anybody out saying, why wasn't this on your top 10? Well, to be fair, we really should have mentioned The Shining. To be fair. Yeah, we should have. Yeah. That was an oversight. Yeah. That that one and and The Exorcist. And uh, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a complete aside, uh, uh, but just, you know, the thing about that list was we were only naming 10 to 15 movies. And so we really didn't get to talk about as many movies from each of those decades as probably a lot of people would have liked. But that was kind of one of the constraints of that type of an episode. So that's just kind of part and parcel of what we were doing. I mean, hell, we could have we could have had top 50s. All of us probably. Well, that's why I posted my list to like the top 100 in every episode because there are some good movies. And I would say this, and I mean this sincerely, that is why we depend on you, the listeners, that you come into the comment section and leave your list. We, I love reading them. I mean, we try to comment on as many of them as we can and know know that we read, but through the three of us, we read every comment that comes through there. And as more and more comments get added, you know, we can't always, you know, sometimes we can leave a lengthy response. Sometimes we can't. We do the best we can. But we love seeing them and it not doesn't just help us and reminds us of maybe something we forgot about, but it helps everybody else. I mean, how many times have you guys, I know you've seen this a lot, where you'll see other commenters will say to another listener, thank you so much for posting that. I completely forgot about that movie or I've never right. heard of that movie. I, you know, and I've they, had a few. There were yeah. a few of those. There were quite a few where I said, "Geez, I never saw that one. I guess I I need to check it yeah. out." Yeah. So I mean, it's you're you know, it's not just about us providing you know the our, our thoughts and uh, feelings about these movies. It's you as well. It's a, it's a definite community effort. Yeah, I I just saw this one again recently. As a matter of fact, um, for the first time, not again. I just saw this one <laughs> recently for the first time is burying their oh you've got to be kidding me all right hold on hold on where's this film oh why am i blanking on that film what's his big movie what's what's the big movie he made um with mia jovovich and (sighs) dazed and confused dazed and confused yeah that's what i am right now dazed and confused I'll make the yeah. same commitment I made to uh, Josh in that earlier episode about Crying House. Yes, uh, I go. will add it to my list. Let me do that right now. Jot down. There you go. Man, you, you just got to keep these lists straight. <laughs> episode three, which I believe was the first attempt at a Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, which we've never successfully done. But the weird thing is, is it's that time of year again. Uh-huh. And I'm in the mood to watch. Poultry Geist. 
No, not Poltergeist. <laughs> uh, you're thinking that dumb one, the 80s sort of slasher movie? We were trying to do a Thanksgiving episode, but there just aren't any good ones. And so right. we covered Blood Rage, which I think is the best. And it's still like D-level yeah, 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 horror. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It's entertaining as hell. Right. But it's like quality-wise, it's like D-level. <laughs> right. Actually, uh, Joel, when you finally get around to Grindhouse, you'll probably see what to me is the best. That's the Eli uh, Roth horror, one. The Eli, Eli Roth Ross trail, yeah. Thanksgiving yeah. trailer. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Aren't you? I, it really is. And I know you guys talked about this on that episode when you guys covered Blood Rage, but it is shocking the dearth of movies, horror movies for that time of year. It is weird. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Especially when there's such rich Native American content to draw from. Yeah, right? there's a lot of stuff you could. Yeah, you could make a very great historically based horror film about Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, Puritans and everything else. Yeah, there's there's yeah. a lot of stuff there. A lot of fodder. And again, I'm sure I said this on that episode, but the best version I still think is Adam's Family Values. The scene from the camp that Wednesday goes to and. Uh, Sarah Marshall and all of that, which I will be recording an episode for next Sunday. Oh, cool. Yes. We're going to have with Liz, AKA the bride will be joining us for that one. Cause I know that's a favorite of hers as well. She's great. Yes. As a young man for me, it was hard for me to overlook Barbara Crampton's contributions to the film, Uh but um, (laughs) I can understand why that guy, the beheaded man's wife left him after. Yeah. <laughs> See this film in the yeah. 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 That was that was a, a, a visual pun that cost someone their marriage, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> yeah. Linnea Quigley might have about two minutes where she's wearing clothes in this yes, movie. Yes, I think that's a good assumption. And yes. then that's it. <laughs> uh-huh. For the rest of the movie, she's wearing nothing. Uh, Very and when you're uh, yes, when yes, when you're of a certain age. That definitely stands out. Now, did you say bold performance or cold? <laughs> a little bit of both, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. There's a nip in the air, though. And I really like Ty Sheridan, who's the main actor, is a genius young actor. He's the kid from Ready Player One. Oh, okay. Yeah, he is really good. And he was also in that McConaughey movie, which is the one that blew me away. I mean, that's his Mud. best performance. What's that? Mud. Mud. Yeah. Pump! Was that was that what she says when you throw up the arms? Yes. <laughs> Pum, right. Yeah. Right. That was so good. Oh. All right. So the Dead Don't Die from 2019 is a movie written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. You say Jarmusch, right? Not Jarmusch. No one's gonna correct me. Nothing. I say Jarmusch. Okay, Jarmusch. Yeah. We'll go with that. Do you want to say like Jim Jarmusch, Chloe Savini, and then I'll edit in those. And then Dave say Lapita Nyong'o. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, okay. And maybe Iggy Pop too. <laughs> okay. 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 So, uh, okay. Jim Jarmusch. Chloe Savini. Is that right? Savini? Is it? Is it sev- like Savini? It is, I think it's fine. Okay. Some yeah, people say Savini. Some say Savini. I'll say Savini. Yeah. Chloe Savini is fantastic. Uh, and Iggy Pop. Uh, hopefully the tone works. <laughs> I don't know. How, oh, how, you okay. You might give me a Lapita Nyong'o, Dave. Yep. Lapita, Lapita Nyong'o. Is that it? <laughs> I believe that, that, is that it? Lapita Nyong'o. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Nyong, yeah, you run the Lapita, N and the Y together. Nyong'o. Lapita Nyong'o. Or right, let me do it again. Lapita Nyong'o. Yeah, that'll work. Because I don't know. I don't know how I was saying it then. I don't know if yeah. I, Lapita Nyong'o, sure. Lapita Nyong'o. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right Sorry, so my father-in-law just started playing the piano like loudly upstairs can you guys hear that 
I hear it now that you said it. Now that you mentioned it, I didn't hear it before. <laughs> I didn't hear it before. I didn't hear it before. I'm going to go say Lupita Nyong'o one more time because I wasn't on mute, and then I'm going to try to close some doors. Okay. Well, sure. Lupita Nyong'o. Now back, do back off the mic of hair and do it because your pee is coming with a pop. Oh, okay. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o. One more time, but a little bit further back. Lupita Nyong'o. No, not that far back. the room. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Okay, I was a little better. Yeah, that was good. Okay. All right. <laughs> and I love Napoleon Dynamite. I saw that in the theater. I had to, I was driving home from Napoleon Dynamite on on a highway. I had to pull over because I couldn't see from laughing, remembering the movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that is funny. I want to just tell you guys real quick. Austin Butler. Uh, the young mm-hmm. actor played Tex in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I didn't yeah. even realize that was him. Yeah, nice. that's cool. I didn't either. I'm aware of him because he's in the Shannara series on MTV, which all my friends are obsessed with. I have no idea what that is because I'm far too old to even know what that is. <laughs> it's based on a on a series of novels like Lord of the Rings styles. Terry mm-hmm. Brooks is the author and it's okay. his series of books. Um, I know who yeah, Terry I'm, Brooks I'm, is, but I don't know what that yeah. show is. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm still the, the, the generation they turn on MTV, expect to see music yes. or hear, you know, mm-hmm. hear music. Well, Terry Brooks is, you know, the Shannara series. And again, I might be mispronouncing that. That's how William Rowan Jr. pronounces it. It's his favorite book series. It's Matroid's favorite book series, but they turned it into this MTV series. But it's basically like Lord of the Rings style. Yeah, it looks like Shannara or I can't, yeah. I don't know how else you pronounce that. I think they said some people I've heard say Shannara or something like that. But okay. Anyway, he, so he was hot with the teens because he was on that MTV series. And then he was in Kevin Smith's um, yoga hosers because Kevin Smith's daughter had a crush on him. And so she wanted him in the show, <laughs> wanted him in the movie. Gotcha. Anyway, I really like that man and mystery train that we were talking about. And, and, um, Oh, that one he did with uh, Benini and, uh, and Tom law. Waits, their prisoner down by law. Yeah. yeah, I really like that one, too. And that one, I did download a song. I love Tom Waits's version of uh, Jockey Full of Bourbon from that movie. So I can't I can't wait to get the song from this one as well. And uh, I mean, we saw a ton of people. I mean, it was fascinating. Like you're sitting there in, in line to meet Bruce Campbell. And you look over and oh, there's Sam Raimi. It's like, well, what's happening right now? What what world am I in? And uh, and then yeah, we walked past the table. C.J. Graham and that dude is big. Like I yeah. I've seen Kane Hodder in person, and he wasn't as big as I thought he would. No offense, Mister Hodder, I'm sure you could totally kick my butt. But I'm saying you, it just like I was about as big as him. And I'm, in my head, like Jason is way bigger than me. So, uh, but I saw C.J. Graham, like that dude. He's a big dude. <laughs> and uh, Warrington Gillette. Jason in part two saw him. Ken Foray was there. Uh, and then uh, I got my, this is, I can't, well, I can't talk about burying the lead. I got my first edition, first printing hardback cover thief of always by Clyde Barker with illustrations by Clyde Barker that I got in a used light, like a library used book sale for two bucks. And they, I guess they didn't know what they had because uh, I didn't even realize that's what it was until I got home and I got it for two bucks and I got it signed by the man himself. Clive Barker signed that book. So that's cool. yeah, that was amazing. What the hell? Are you kidding me? Who put a used popsicle stick in the bag of mystery? Was it you? 
Yeah, you better run. Unfreaking believable. I can't have I can't have any and you know what's really amazing? He had to walk by two trash cans to get in here. It's like there's this open disdain for the bag of mystery. I'm sorry. Okay, we're giving away the alien digital code. Well, there's one stuck to the popsicle stick. So this will be the winner as long as I can still read it. Let me see if I can. The button is glowing. All right, we're good.